Welcome to Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Welcome to Morelia Python Radio. Tonight we have Warren Booth joining us, and we're going to be talking boas, 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 boas. Uh, I am the, all that. <laughs> just three, three types of boa. We had to limit him to three. Yes, just three. Okay. Only three boas, boas, boas. He has to pick. Boas. All right. Yeah, boas, boas, um, boas. That's the name of the show. When you, when you put this up, just be Warren Booth. Boas, boas, boas. Like that's yeah. all I want. <laughs> He has a pretty cool collection of boas and uh, the fact that he is a scientist, you know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Uh, (laughs) kind of makes, you know, things pretty cool. But uh, we'll be talking boas and not something that is necessarily uh, my strong suit. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, really versed in the boa world. It's funny how you either become a boa guy or a python guy, and not very many people are both. Do both. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's cross like those, you can't cross the streams, Ray. I mean, like that's pretty much right there. Is you you just don't go on either side of that, and you know it's or you become like me where you're a python guy and you get the boas and you just despise them for some reason and <laughs> through no fault of their own yes. i just hate them yeah. so yeah yeah i i always liked boas i thought they were cool um i just don't i don't know it's it's weird it's like you're either pro egg or anti egg it's like there's not many people <laughs> there's that there's a line drawn there that are both i i don't know dude Boa, like we're talking strict constrict, like boa constrictor, constrictor, like the the red tail stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I've always had this. Their 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 body always seemed, and that's mainly because a lot of the interaction you had with giant adult boas when you were younger, those things were not healthy animals at all. They always seemed very kind of clunky, and their scales feel kind of weird, and it was always just the you know something that turned me off of boas. Um, but of course, again, like those were the ten foot boas that were fed like piglets, yeah, just to get huge. I mean, like there's that. So I don't know if that's part of it or that stuck in my head. But I don't know. Red tails never did it for me, and I kind of that bled over into other stuff. So yeah, my my dad he kept. Uh, I think it was probably about ten foot. Um, See, Papa Burke kept everything. Yeah, and he kept it all huge and dangerous. And oh that's man, awesome. <laughs> we were, yeah, we, it was funny. We were just talking about it the other night, right? And because now my sister's like, uh, you know, she's in the reptiles. You know, can't wait to go to the next reptile show. Did you get that turtle egg mailed to her yet, or no? <laughs> no. Damn it. No. I told her the controversy that that uh, started with people messaging <laughs> me like, "Who the hell sends an egg in the mail?" And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, yeah. Steve Katz said, "Use a baby." And I'm like, my God, that's <laughs> genius. Yes. It's like uh, perfect. <laughs> but, um, you know, we were talking about uh, just the the older days of keeping. And uh, I wanted to make sure that my recollection of things were correct. And, I, you know, I said to my dad, I'm like, Dad, when you were building these cages, like, did you, like, keep heat on them? Or, you know, did you have, like... Yeah, heat in the room or or anything like that. And he was like, "How did you keep them alive?" Yeah, he's like, "No, I didn't. know. they had a light bulb, and that was it. <laughs> that was it, light bulb." And I'm like, "Was it even like a reptile bulb?" He's like, "Duh, Eric. They didn't have reptile bulbs back then. You just got like a you know a sixty watt light bulb. And this just furthers thing my and... 
further into my thing of that most reptile bulbs are the same exact thing with a little bearded dragon on the, <laughs> on the box package, <laughs> and you pay $20 extra for that bearded dragon on that box. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would imagine that if you're using it for heat, I would imagine that they're all kind of created equal, but I guess if you're using it for UV or how, something like that, maybe that's where there's, there's a difference. Yeah, how did his snakes not just get burned horribly? Or do I just think snakes are all dumb and, Dude, like bugs and just go to the light and then just i can't tell you like i you know it's crazy man i he, he never i can't remember ever an animal being sick mm. i can't remember you know i know i know dr danish doctor yeah. yeah dr d he would mm-hmm. come at like he came like every quarter like once a quarter he made like house calls and he would show up to the house and guess what it cost? It cost like $25. What him, the hell? <laughs> for him to like look at the collection. Oh, uh, God, I wish that was so true. It's so, it's, it's so weird to talk to my, like, even though he wasn't, quote unquote, in the reptile hobby, so to speak. Like, he wasn't mm-hmm. a, you know, he wasn't like a, you know, one of, I don't know, pick a guy, you know, Tom Crutchfield. Or, you know what I mean? Right. He wasn't like yeah. in that level at all, but like, uh, he was more like in our level. But it was just neat to talk to him about, you know, the experiences back then and like some of the things that like, I don't know, I guess we've never really talked about it before. It was kind of weird. I think what brought it up was the copperheads. He's mm. like, why didn't you bring me back a copperhead? I was like, Dad. I'm allowed to have one. It, Owen said <laughs> legally like one I was like, per Dad. person. I was like, dad, it don't work like that, man. I'm like, what Bullshit. Are you doing? He's like, well, actually, he's like, well, back in my day, <laughs> like, well, okay, well, it, it would because you went to Delaware. So crossing a state line with a copperhead would have been a violation of the Lacey Act, I think. Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. So if you're going to catch copperheads to keep, you got to do it in PA. No, I told him, I was like, Dad, look, if you want a copperhead, I'll go to a, co- to a reptile show. I'm sure Hamburg has some Buy copperheads one. floating what, around. You, you know what I mean? Timber? I mean, it can't be that much, you know? He's like, yeah. oh, no, no, I'm just, you know, I just want one in the wild. He's like, how come you didn't ask me to go look at copperheads? And I'm like, hey, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sorry, Dad. I didn't realize that you would be. I could hear him now. It's too hot. It's too humid. Slow <laughs> down. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's just. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, so. But uh, how's, uh, well, we were talking before we started. Um, you're on day. <laughs> 50 something 54 <laughs> for the bread lie Damn and we just lie. had the conversation before that i know in my mind i shouldn't be like checking on them every like <laughs> morning and evening yeah. or morning get home from work and evening or morning after shower get home from work evening after dinner before bed like i should leave the eggs alone right but it just seems like these bread lie are taking so goddamn long to hatch and it's it's not any longer than it sh- than it it's supposed to be like i haven't even eclipsed day 60 and also this stuff it just it seems like they're taking forever and i don't know if it's just because i had such a crappy season right. that i'm not like neck deep in carpet babies <laughs> like all my all eight i know big number of the other <laughs> carpets that i hatch are all eating and i'm like well that's done i guess it's like right. i didn't really have to not really grinding out babies this year, so I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a weird season. So that and we had that one episode with Nick that made me very scared. So I keep like looking for marks that they're trying to get out. 
<laughs> I'll save you, baby. And I start like slicing eggs. Like it's like no, it's <laughs> right. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that, well speaking of bread lie did you see that um i think uh what's his name uh manuel um i, I don't know if i, I want to say he's from europe i don't know i could mm-hmm. be wrong with that but anyway he produced bread lie sun glows outside of uh australia well they're bread lie sun glows and he said that they have bread lie coastal and darwin in them Yes. Okay. I don't. Why is the coastal there? Hypo. In oh, shit. I guess you could use hypo bread lie too, right? Yeah. Uh, I, double dose of hypo. I don't know. Well, I mean, if they were listen, really nice babies, but they're really nice. Ba- I, I bet you they will, and I can't wait to see when they grow up. But it's almost like if you're going to do this, wouldn't you want to? Of course, this is my purity br- brain attacking this horrible hybrid problem <laughs> or, or mixed blood issue yeah. of don't mix it as little bit of a mix as you could. So I would do um, hypo bread lie to straight Darwin albino. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would go. Keep it a little pure, (laughs) a little bit pure. Well, also it's like, you know, wouldn't that be the, the, it's almost like I want, if I'm going to do this, I want to make sure that it'll stand out against albino Darwin's and other stuff like that. Right. So the way I'm going to make it stand out is I'm going to make sure it gets as much bread lie blood in it as humanly possible. Shit, man. I can't believe at this point that, you know, <laughs> when I see these when I see these hypos and reds and well, when I see the red of a bread lie and I see it in albino form, mm-hmm. it just makes me think, like, why have we not done red albinos? Like, I know it, there's a red line. Yeah. But I'm talking but about like. You know, MBB red. I know that's sacrilege. Maybe one day when the uh, albino coastal makes it out Thank of you. Australia. Thank you. That's all I'm waiting for. <laughs> Maybe, I have all these plans. Yes. Maybe God, when that you. happens, you know, then it can be pure. But at the. If you want to uh, see me get rid of my Darwin's? Like, it, it would, I'm going to set a land speed record. It's like, you know, don't need you anymore. It's like, it's going to be so fast. Oh, poor Darwin's. <laughs> they always get the shit end of the stick. Yeah. And, you know, that, that, <laughs> that citrus tiger head albino, get out here, you. Yeah. It's like they're all leave. Over yeah. Leave, you dirty. Yeah. It, oh. Done. Done. So. All right. And then Daytona. Did you- Daytona, I I did not go, but I heard great things. I had multiple people going down there and scouting things out for me. Right. Um, I have a bone to pick with Billy and Casey. Okay. Because they uh, offered Melissa um, Jack Pondros. And oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. And, and <laughs> That's now no I good. have to convince her that, no, she's she's like, they're so pretty. I'm like, no, no. Do you have any idea what Eric will do to me on air if you buy a Jack Pondro? <laughs> Like that's that's a step in the worst direction ever, and then I'm like, well, I'm like, let me know if you see some caramel stuff, and she's like, oh, these caramels are heck granite, wrong. And I'm like, oh, these caramels are wrong, no caramel zebra. It, yeah, actually, I'm. I know you were so asking me about that, and I think I do have. I don't know the sex of it, and it's not the greatest looking caramel, but I do have I a caramel <laughs> without jag. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'll breed you with you. No, I can't do that. I'll breed you. No, I can't do that. No. Shit. No, I kept all the jags. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I have, uh, I have, I have it here. I put your name on the tub. It's actually oh. probably, what is it? A year? It's a year, a yearling. Yeah. Right. So. 
it's better than what I got here. I got a, you know, it's yeah. It, I think it's gonna, a female. I think it's a female. Right. Um, throw some, throw some my name on other tubs. You know, there's the ring pythons there. You can put my name on their tubs. <laughs> um, so and then uh, let's see what else. I, I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll come down with post-it notes. I'll take care of it. Yeah, for just you. take care of it. Right, fair enough. <laughs> just the IJs, everything yeah. else. But yeah. yeah, I come in. I'm like, wait, what happened there? The hell. <laughs> Uh, You're taking my sink? Yep. No. <laughs> you know what's crazy is at this time of year, right? You you see stuff hatching out and everything, and you're you're like continually trying to cut the collection down, but yet it's so damn hard. It, like, uh, it's a struggle. Is real, man. <laughs> you know, well, it's, it's, like, it's like I uh, have to make decisions. Where it's like there's certain projects that have not come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Do I keep spending time on them? There's certain projects where I now am down to just one of the animal and I'm like, all right, do I try to scramble to find a mate for you before next season or do I dish just ditch the project or start over? And then constantly there are people coming out of the woodwork and going, Hey, I have a pair of Angolan pythons oh and it's like, no, back you. It's like yeah, it's <laughs> Which is the weirdest one to tempt you with? Is uh, well, I mean, it's kind of like there, oh, there, there have been. Oh, I, 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 I think I, I think I've told a few people that if they tempted me with certain things, that's fine. But they have to sign a non-disclosure agreement, and will never speak about me purchasing it. And it's one of those like they go to a park bench and leave the box, and there'll be money <laughs> taped underneath. The park bench, it's like and Breaking then, Bad. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be. There's different layers. And yeah. Problem is, is like you'd come over and it'd be like the first bin you opened would be that, and I'd be like, oh well. I don't know. know how that got there. Uh, how'd that get there? <laughs> she brought it. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I, I would have to give you a pass. I would have to give you a pass. I mean, it's a scaleless ball python. What the hell is happening? That I could not give you a pass on. <laughs> The retic, you get a pass. You know, you know. Uh, I'd even give you the pass on the Carpondro or Jagpondro. No, 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 I'd give you the pass. I think no. where I would draw the line is the rough scale diamond, whatever that Montrose is. <laughs> and <laughs> I need to be committed. <laughs> Jesus. And the <sighs> uh, and and that scaleless anything, ball anything pythons. Scaleless, yeah. <laughs> not... ball pythons is just like, oh dear, we've crossed into a into a. Into a <laughs> you you leave immediately. You're like Rob. Something's wrong with Owen. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. And um, I can't believe how fast the summer has gone. Yeah. And we are what sixty five days was it from Uh-oh. Australia? It was sixty six. I don't know. Rob Rob messages me at like what is it one a.m. Sixty six days. Like yeah, okay. Yeah. Good job, Rob. <laughs> You're like, what the hell? What the hell's happening? The refrigeration went down again? Let me look at this. Hold on. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Go to sleep, Rob. <laughs> Rob's up studying reptiles Rob's again. Stuck doing something. Yeah. Uh, 66 days. Yeah, six, six, six days. <laughs> and, and it's just like, right now for me, it's the very, it's the calm before the storm. Yes. Because I got the... I got a licensing exam in the beginning of September. I have the new job switch over, and then we go to Australia. So it's like right now, I'm like, I'm kind of bored. I'm like, but in the next couple of weeks, I will not have that excuse anymore. No. So, yeah, I'm like kind of trying to enjoy. It's almost like right before school started when you were a kid. I'm trying to enjoy relaxing time and other stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, dude, it's going to be nuts. I, I, I mean, I have to. I was going to start figuring out this weekend what I needed to bring. Um, and it's like, you know, 
boots, this, that, the other thing. I know you and I talked about how you kind of just went, and when you got there, you immediately went and bought like a pack of T-shirts, and it was like, yes, <laughs> it's like these are my clothes. Like, yes. you know, I'm like, all right, I, I, I might do that. I know? tried to pack as light as possible, as as light as I possibly could. But yeah. there are some things. I'll make up a list. You know, okay. and then and I'll put it in our little chat so that we make sure that you have the checklist. But like, Eat, you definitely yeah. need a good pair of boots, yeah. something that's comfortable because you know we'll be we'll be out and about and trekking and climbing and you and know that kind of it stuff. Should go up the ankle a little bit because we are in, you know, lapid country. Lapid country. <laughs> yes. So no loafers. Got it. So so, um, so what's crazy is on my feed this morning. When mm-hmm. I look on Facebook, because I haven't been on Facebook really in a while, mm-hmm. um, and I, I click on it, and the first thing is some kind of uh, no, that was in the chat. There was a, mm-hmm. a, I think Graham posted it up. It was saltwater crocodiles eating cows, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. We are gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, okay, <laughs> as soon as we go anywhere near the water, play that video so we remember. <laughs> you know, don't go too close. Um, yep. And then the other one was uh, was on Gavin, Gavin Bedford's feed, which he's mm-hmm. up in the Northern Territory. And he went out for a stroll, and there was this huge olive python just like, dude, when you see that, you're going to go freaking crazy, man. I'm telling you, it's going to be, you're going to go nuts. Dude. You're going to come back and have a, you are going to breed olive pythons in 2020 well, a, if I it kills you. That shot. I know that's already <laughs> happening, you know, because uh, I'm watching the videos from over in Australia and they're like 52 degrees. I'm like, I've just been far too gentle. With you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but this, all right. <laughs> this will be the motivation to get it done because there's nothing cooler than you see the animal in the wild and then you produce it in captivity and you're like, wow, I've, you know, this well, has it, come full circle. And it's also, it's like, I guess Australia is, it's good that we're going to Australia because I'm not having enough time to totally tweak out over all the other stuff that I'm breeding this season. Right. Like the roughies are slated for the season. Right. And And I haven't had my mental break with reality yet over the fact that I will be dropping them below what I deem their comfortable temperatures. <laughs> <laughs> not feeding them and then putting them together. Like right. that's, yeah. Haven't had that yet. That's good. I might have that on the plane home. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, yeah, and then when we're coming back, we'll be full swing in the breeding season, so it, it'll work Christ. out well. So. Yeah. We, you ain't even finished hatching shit yet. And you're I know. Right. It's like, <laughs> dude, that's bread light. Like, just get out of the damn eggs. Yeah. Like, all right, we've had enough. It's like it's like the kid that won't get out of the pool. Yeah. Come on. You know, <laughs> lunch is ready. Yeah, get out of the damn pool. Yeah. <laughs> rank, and then somebody produced. I don't know who it was. I can't remember who it was that produced. I, I can't kind of follow it. It's kind of I'm seeing uh, snippets here and there. But uh, the bowl and I. Um, yeah. I think, well, and and I saw a picture today, and they're like, like, look, like Keith said, they look like you know, bacon, uh, dried uh, bacon, you know, and it's well, like, oh yeah, wow. I don't know if that's a normal thing or. And also, that was, I, I did did that clutch like did did that guy start posting halfway through incubation because it almost seemed like it was like yes update 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 here they are I'm like wait that. They don't hatch that quickly. Yeah, that's why I couldn't really follow it because it seemed yeah. just weird. The timeline seemed weird. But, yeah, he, he hatched bowling. It, so. it, I can understand keeping that kind of under your hat until you got far enough in just because you don't want to get 
too revved up in there or whatever. But yeah, they hatched. It's like, now, do you think that was not enough air exchange in the egg or something? Because the skin definitely looked off. Like, I've never seen a baby python born with that kind of skin. Maybe humidity, maybe hydration, maybe... It, see, it has to I, do something like that because I've seen, I have seen baby, uh, I have had baby carpets when I was early in the breeding. See, I wonder if I can find the picture that had yeah. similar look. Yeah. Um, and that's when I started doing the, cause at that point I didn't do the wet paper towels. Like when they first hatch out, yeah. like when the, like when oh, one and, they, they, and whatnot, they dried up. Yeah. <clears throat> and it kind of got dry. But as soon as I added the, you know, moisture, they, they cleared up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I then, know the same type of thing happens with short tails. I think, I think, Matt well, that's why that. Matt keeps them in like a swamp when they're, <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, he has to like, oh, well, into the 10-gallon tank filled with water, go the babies. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> They'll swim around in there for a while, They'll and then fine. we'll put them. Yeah, be fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but yeah, it's like, it, apparently that's an issue. Now, I remember Evan once told us that he got a pair of baby bull and I and was told to get them to shed as quickly as possible because they had fragile, very fine skin as hatchlings. Mm-hmm. And I... I encountered that with a Malukan scrub once mm-hmm. where I'm like, she's got a little stuck shed and her skin peeled from her body. And I'm like, Oh God. Um, but it, I had that with know. berms. Yeah. I had I that with berms. That. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know, but it's another damn mystery. It's like you get to the point where you get babies and you're like, what's wrong with them? It's like crap. Right. <laughs> another question. <laughs> another hurdle to get through. Damn it. These damn snakes. <laughs> damn. Uh, what I, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, I guess we'll get Warren on here and we'll get going. Yeah. All right. Warren, how you doing? <laughs> Welcome back to Morelia Python Radio. Hey, how are you doing? It's great to be back. Well, that's, we'll, 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 let's, let's wait till the end of the show and see how you feel. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for coming back on. I know Eric wanted to uh, talk, just have a boa show because we haven't had one in a while. And uh, Well, that's kind of what he specializes in. You know yeah, you're kind of I mean, good at that. So <laughs> we, we figure we'd just, you know, go straight to the source. Now, we said... I don't know. I, I thought you were kind of scraping the barrel. I thought, like, after five million shows, you were like, all right, no more. <laughs> well, you know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> what have we got left? <laughs> Damn, we got to go to Boas. <laughs> <laughs> we, we know how Damn. much uh, Owen loves Boas, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we can talk Boas, and I'm sure we can fit in some sort of Sasquatch material in here somewhere. Like, let's make this... Yeah, putting car batteries to me, kind of a show. Herp in Costa so. Rica, yeah. There's tons to talk about, man. I mean, that's cool. I was checking out your. So for people that don't know, uh, Boa Booth is your Facebook page, and I was checking right. it out, and um, man, you've had some pretty cool shit this year. And like, no, no, they're boas, uh, dude. They're they they're they're uh, not hatched. Damn it! <laughs> See, I'm a Python guy. Damn it! We were <laughs> if he hatched boas. He's done something crazy in one of his laboratories, <laughs> and we have to talk about that now. So let's we not were, talk about that. Okay, <laughs> okay yeah, that's a secret project. Yeah. <laughs> so we were talking about like, um, you know, first, like, have you? Do you have py- you have pythons too, right? Some, a few. I have. I have a couple of pythons. I've got. So the last time we spoke, I think I had like sixty ball pythons. Okay. Uh, right. right now, I have four ball pythons. So I did the very, you know, I kind of decided that as much as I like them, and I really do like them, right? Um, you know, they're not really the things that I specialize in. So I sold them all off, apart right. from four. 
And of those four, I've got probably three of those are going to get sold off within the next kind of month. Right. And I've got some eggs incubating, and they're all going to go. And I've got one that I'll keep, which is just a, a parthenogenetic, a second-generation parthenogenetic female. I'll keep that just in the lab to, to tinker with. But apart from that, I do have one other python. I'm waiting for another one to come. I've got a, a Darwin's carpet. Nice. Um, that Nick Mutton gave me. Okay. And uh, Ryan Young is going to be giving me a male to pair with it. So I've kind of got like a history with Darwin's carpet. So it's nice just to have those um, in the collection uh, somewhere. Is this a history you can share yeah, what, or? Yeah, what's the history? Of? <laughs> yeah, yeah, is, there, is this the dark yeah. secret we don't talk about? Like what happened? No, not, not at all. <laughs> yeah, it's when I almost became a Python keeper. Oh, no. <laughs> no it, it, it was, it's, it's based around a friend. So I've been keeping uh, boas and pythons and, and kind of colubrids for 25 years now. Mm. And um, maybe 22 years ago, 23 years ago, a friend back in Northern Ireland um, was really interested in Darwin's carpets and Brettles pythons. Brettles at that point in the UK, I think were around the 4,000 pound mark per pair of babies. Wow. And he bought a pair. Yeah, it was yeah. insane. He bought a pair of these things. I just thought the guy was insane. But he was a, he was a researcher at the same university that I was doing my, my degree and my PhD in. And we would meet for coffee and lunch now and again. And he kept talking about these, these, um, these carpet pythons that had these brick red babies. And they turned out to be Darwin's carpets. And um, a friend of ours who was a locality boa guy in the UK called Clive Osborne, mm-hmm. he would import animals. And he got in, um, some, he got in a pair or maybe a trio mm-hmm. of Darwin's. And at this point, I think my buddy paid maybe £5,000 for the trio. Oof. of Darwin's. These were just non-existent in, in, in collections. Mm-hmm. And I think they came in kind of like in a suitcase. It just came from Sydney that came, you know, just keep it like kind of quiet on the dime. <laughs> not it's all over the radio. Right. right. <laughs> but, yeah, too late. But he got these in. <laughs> right. And, uh, and he kind of worked with them in the UK. Um, so I always liked the look of them. And, um, and I thought it would be nice kind of to get them at some point. And then I was looking around maybe last year, the year before that, and I saw that they were so cheap. It was mm-hmm. just unreal, you know, how they've come down in price, just like Brettles sure. you know, mm-hmm. came down in terms of what they were. Um, and I thought, you know, at some point I would like to get them. Uh, and uh, myself and Nick Mutton and Ryan Young have got a couple of projects underway. Mm-hmm. And I brought that up in conversation. And Nick was like, yeah, hold on, send me your address. And <laughs> three, three days later, one appears <laughs> in a box for me. Right. And then Ryan's like, yeah, I've got this, this mail that's unrelated to other U.S. lines I'm going to send you. So, you know, they're fun. I'm going to keep them in the lab as kind of lab pets and um, see what happens. Cool. So cool. They're, they're kind of just fun to have, you know. So, sure. You know, I like egg layers. Right. You know, they, uh, <laughs> you know, so they're fun to play with. Right. They bite the shit out of you, but oh, my God. The thing yeah. Is atrocious. Yeah. Those Darwin's, man. <laughs> they don't mess around. <laughs> they, if, if, they're not, if they're not inbred albino line, they are the most vicious little carpets ever. Like it's. Oh my god. Yep. This, this thing will bounce out of the cage at me. Like literally mm-hmm. bounce. I haven't mm-hmm. got. I've got no other snakes that do that. It's insane. Right. So I'm so glad Nick sent it to me. I think he probably like, you know, zapped it with something <laughs> before he sent it to me. <laughs> You're like, I kind of want a Darwin. He's like, hang on, I got the perfect one. Get this <laughs> thing the hell out of here. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's... give me a day. <laughs> yep. Beat it up and threw it at me. Yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. it's fun to have. You know, they're they're really. I, I like the color of them. I think they're a really beautiful snake. So yeah, 
you know, I'm really excited about that being an adult and biting the shit out of me then as well. So. <laughs> it's even much more fun. <laughs> it's more fun when you're bigger. <laughs> I keep tree boas, and this is the one that scares the crap. <laughs> well, I mean, the tree boa, I mean, are, we're not, are we talking emerald tree boas? All kinds I of tree boas. emerald tree boas. Uh, All I've of got them. Emerald. Okay. I've got um, Amazons, and I've got three localities of Corallus ruschenbergeri. See, I was going to say, like, at least some tree boas have, like, the smaller head. Yeah, they might have longer teeth, but you got emeralds, yeah. and, and that's, no, that's, the, yeah, never mind. That, my entire argument's out the I'm window. Sick, yeah, the Corallus mm. Ruschenberger, I've got heads the size of emeralds. And nope, done. I, I, just got, I just got a very rare locality of them recently, and they are ferocious, and they get to, like, seven feet. And yeah. eat medium to large rats as adults, so these things are, they're feisty. So, so, so they're like I'm the, really glad I got this. <laughs> <laughs> they're the scrub python of the bow world, then, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it's yeah. weird. Yeah. I don't know what's been going through my mind. I think it's once I hit like 41, I was like, you know what I need to get? Animals that will eat me. Yes. <laughs> I started thinking about <laughs> scrub pythons a lot. I've been thinking about scrub pythons, not like barnacks, but I've been thinking about tannenbars, and I've been thinking about halmaheras. Oh. And I was like, what's going on with me? I think, you know, I think I really need to sit down and get some counseling. You're listening to the, you're listening to us too much. Yeah. I mean that you need to get I, away I from us. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that like that's I can tell you right now that's your problem. But it's oh, but, yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, well, animals, I, I, they, they were the most like it's almost like scrubs are like dogs. The bigger they are. The more calm they are, the, the tannin bars are the tiniest little bastards. Oh, like, I hate those things. They're evil, man. Yeah, <laughs> they're just evil. They're just I'm horrible. <laughs> but, and yet, know. you know what that's doing in my mind? That's making that's, that's making me think. Wants it more? Mm-hmm. I should get some. Yeah, I should get some tannin bars. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> you got the Owen checklist. Uh, does it get big? Yeah, yeah. check. <laughs> it's a good well, checklist. Is, is it like evil? Not check. Re- not getting retics? <laughs> sure. I mean, I think There's we can no go re-tick. back. We can go back a couple episodes. I'm pretty sure I said something like that yeah. somewhere. Uh, I can guarantee you there are no retics coming into my house. Yeah. You know, I, I did have a, you know, my wife and I have been together for 25 years as well. Right. And um, she said, you know, we were, we were together since we were like 17, 18 years old. And she said, you know, there's going to be no snakes that are over six feet in length. And, Oops. um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a dwarf form, honey. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I must have fed it too much. <laughs> I don't know. No, so it's odd. Well, don't worry, I'll ignore it. It's fine. <laughs> it's good. It's whatever. You're not going to measure it. It's okay. You know, and so there's that. And then I'm thinking, well, how Maharas, why don't I get a python that will die whenever I look at it? <laughs> <laughs> And I can spend vast quantities of money on it, and it'll be great. Yeah. I'll have a freezer full of these things after a couple of months. Good times. Nice. so happy. Yeah, it's the chameleon of the python world. Oh. <laughs> it goes off the branch. There it goes. Yeah. yeah. Uh. So I, I, think, I think it actually is this program that's making me do that. <laughs> you know, so. we, we, we apologize. Yeah, we're sorry. I'm thinking about how the hair is. I'm thinking, yeah. yeah, I need to just, like, just stop listening and go back to my boas. <laughs> You're going to have to. It's yeah. like, you know, it's, or we have to have more boa shows that, you know, aren't you. <laughs> so, <it's> yeah. Like... <laughs> so what, yeah, what made you go to boas? Like what drew you to boas? You know, um, so, you know, I think I, I said the last time I was on or one of the times I was on that the first snake that I got was a Western hognose snake. And mm-hmm. then from there I got some king snakes. And mm-hmm. then from there, I think I went into a pair of ball pythons, and then I jumped into Amazon tree boas. 
the obvious transition to make, right? Yeah, that, that, was, then, that makes perfect uh, sense. Yeah. <laughs> right. But the guy that the guy that got these Amazons for me was this guy Clive Osborne that I mentioned earlier that got the, the carpets for my friend. Mm-hmm. And and he called us up to say that he was getting in some dwarf boas um, from Sonora. Right. And they were coming in through Germany. And it, the idea, you know, we talked, and he's like, you know, the adult males are like three and a half feet, and the adult females are like four and a half feet. And I was like, well, that's, you know, kind of ball python size. That sounds great. So uh, my friend and I, we bought six of them, mm-hmm. and I kept the largest pair. I think one ended up dying. It just never fed, and then we sold some off. Um, but the pair that I had, you know, I kind of, they were cool. I really liked them. Very dark. Um, I kept them and kind of ignored them. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And they bred and produced babies, but out of those, one of those babies was anarthristic. Oh. And so it was the first pure anarthristic Sonoran boa. Oh, wow. So I thought it might have been a fluke, and uh, it was actually a stillborn anarthristic as well. So a year later, you know, I took a little bit more care of them, and I bred them again, and they produced anarthristics again. So this Damn. is the first kind of, pr- uh, this is the first, and I think the only anarthristic line of Sonorans that, that, that ever emerged. Um, and that kind of put me on the map a little bit in that a bunch of people in Europe wanted them. So they were trading the albinos and hypomelanistics and stuff that at that point was probably in the $1,500 to $2,000 kind of range, you know, back in 2000, 2002 kind of time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whenever I started accumulating these other boas, I really started getting into it. And at that point, I was uh, at university doing my PhD in genetics. So the idea of, you know, kind of being able to play around and do these kind of Mendelian crosses with albinos and anarchistics, hypomelanistics to make whatever uh, was really kind of interesting to me. Um, and I started unintentionally kind of putting together a small group of boas. Yeah. And at the same time, I had my tree boas, so I had emeralds and amazons as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would breed them and I'd pull mm-hmm. some back and then I'd trade some. And, yeah, I don't know what it was. I think it's, they're easy to keep, easy to feed. They're um, The ones that I've got, all of mine are all Central American, so they're all uh, relatively small. Um mm-hmm and just a variety of morphs that they come in. And that's changed a lot even in the last 20 years that I've been keeping them in that, you know, I remember seeing the first T-positive albinos that Tom Burke got, you know, and the, the first kind of the, the, the Incas and all that kind of stuff. And the Motley's come through and and there was just this whole variety of boas that you could do cool crosses with, yet you could keep them as locality pure animals in many cases. Mm-hmm. So with the Sonoran boas, you can have locality pure anarthristics or leopards or hypomelanistics and do all those crosses. With Costa Ricans, you can do the T-positives and the, the black boas and, and with the Nicaraguans, this whole other variety as well. So, you know, you could you could play Frankenstein and start crossing it, and I've certainly done that, but also you could have these locality pure animals, and that seemed to make a market. It seemed to open up two different markets. You know, the people that were really there for the cool-looking boas that were crosses and the people that were really there for the for the localities, which is a, a market that really has emerged over the last kind of 15 years. Mm. And the fact that some people can then get morphs that are locality pure seems to open up an even a different market within that. Right. So it's it just um, it's something that I've, I've, I've never been without boas. And, and right now, you know, I... Prior to the show, I kind of went down to my basement to look at what I've got, and probably the worst thing you should do, as we know, is count your boas or count your snakes. <laughs> yeah, no, don't ever, don't ever put a number on the snakes. You'll feel overwhelmed, yeah. or it was, you know, dude, I'm not telling my wife to put it like that. Yeah, no, um, never, never do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Yeah, so I had 30, I think I've got 30 adult or sub-adult Central American boas. Okay. Um, 59 babies, of which 20 are holdbacks, so I totally burked it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> burked it on the boa side. Nice. Hey, you, you burked it? Like, how did, Jesus. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> My it's man. Coming, it, it, it's the way. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I don't, you know, I've got my Facebook page and I update it now and again. I've got an Instagram page and I update that now and again. But I seem to have developed a, a decent enough reputation where I don't really need to advertise a lot. Mm-hmm. I can sell a lot of boas without that. People contacting me to ask me what I've got. I don't do shows. I, I go to shows when I can, so I'm going to head down to Arlington. This year I'm hoping to go up to Tinley. Um, it's been a couple of years since I've been at Tinley. Mm. Um, but I don't vend. Um, yeah. But I seem to be able to sell the boas that I produce. He says, sitting with 59 baby boas. And he's <laughs> right but I have sold probably about 30 or 40 boas in the last two months. So the numbers are dwindling. As long as um, there's more leaving than there are staying, I don't think I can technically say that you burked it. I mean, <laughs> no, no, this year I did. You know, okay. this year things kept, things, things, I, I did some trades. Okay. I bought some stuff and I'm, I'm looking at my basement where, the, the the racks were decreasing and now it's, there's a lot more and, uh, and I might have some more racks coming and I'm like, you know, my wife's right. like, where did this come from? And I'm like, well, we had animals grew up a little bit now. <laughs> it's in the garage this whole time. Yeah. 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 Well, we're, we're about to build a garage, so that's going to have a room on the back of it, which will be my office and snake room. At least snake room two, you know. <laughs> the basement will always be a possibility. Right. Oh, God. And then I've got my lab, and literally I'm sitting in my office at my lab, and behind me I've got Emerald Tree Boas, Amazons, and Russian Burger Eye. Nice. What the hell have I done to myself? Like, what am I doing? <laughs> it's, it's all becoming very real. <laughs> I feel your pain. I feel this your pain. This will pass. Yeah. This feeling will pass. It's okay. Well, me and me and Owen and Riley were talking this weekend, and you know, we're going back and forth in the message, and we're talking about how, you know, we have, you know, oh, we this would be cool to have this, and this would be cool to have that, and you know, and and then you think about like, wait a minute, we're trying to cut projects down, not not, not add, what, what's going on, you know, so. I, I tell you what, in that along those, that vein, mm-hmm. you, you probably all you've probably all done it. Maybe people are still thinking it, but I used to like what was it? Maybe 15 years ago, 14 years ago, whenever I moved to the U.S., um, I had friends in Delaware that that um, I exported my animals from Ireland to, and they held them for about a month until I got established in North Carolina. When I lived there, but when I went up, they were good friends with Peter Kyle. So mm-hmm. Pete said, you know, come down, check out the stuff. And I walked into Pete Cowell's place. Oh, wow. And it was this warehouse. And one side was all pythons and the other side was all boas. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Can you imagine having this? It would be the best you know, thing in the world. Now that would make me vomit. <laughs> <laughs> really? I know. <laughs> yeah, going in. Oh, my God. You know, I, I, I walk into my basement now and it's like, all right, well, here's another four hours of cleaning. Great. A lot yep. of fun. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> The baby bit's cool. The cleaning bit, not so much. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I am not, like, I'm, every night I go into my basement and I'm like, right, which projects do I really want to work with and which ones am I happy to move on? And sadly, so far, it's <laughs> none of them have been, I, yeah, none of them are like, well, I don't want to work with that now. You know, because I, I stagger my animals yeah. in terms of breeding and I've got... You know, I don't think about what I'm producing this time. I think about what I'm producing a generation or two down the line. So what do I need to get there? 
Um, so I'm making all of these crosses. So what I produced this year was exceptionally good, but they're from animals that I was producing back in 2012, 2014 or 15 mm. that I needed to get to this point. And then what I produced this year, I've already got plans for what they will be doing in four years' time and then what will be going from that onwards. So the animals that I acquired this year are for projects that are probably two generations down the line. Man. So it's um, that's a terrible way of doing it because then you just amass animals. You're going full yeah, on Burke, really, man. Yeah, dude. That's <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I can't do it. Yeah. High blood pressure. I don't need higher blood pressure. And I do it all myself. I, I've got no helpers, you know. I just do it all myself. Yeah. Very few people ever get to see my animals. Um, so the, my place would be the worst place to have, like, a carpet fest or a boa fest because I'd be like, nobody comes into the basement. Nobody the sees <laughs> 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 you know? But I would say, walk up with a snake every now and again, and that's it. <laughs> Check this you, out. That's yeah. it. You couldn't just get an yeah. undergrad yeah, and be like, oh, you... look at that. <laughs> I just don't know why you can't just get an undergrad and say, like, hey, I'll give you a credit to clean my snake room, but, you know. You know, they would do it. I know. <laughs> have come in that, that really wanted to work with snakes, and I'm like, you know, emerald tree boas and, and Trinidad tree boas are probably not the things that you want to work with <laughs> if you want to keep your flesh <laughs> in that kind of condition. You know, you look for the student that's heavily pierced, and then you're like, all right, that's a good one. There we right. go. You're <laughs> <laughs> into that kind of thing. <clears throat> yeah, so, but, yeah, so just to come back to that question, it's just, I think it's the variety and the fact that there's so many different localities that we can do lots of cool things with them. So, so and they're are, small. Are they broken up now in, like, taxonom- taxonomy has split them or to full species, or are they, you know... <laughs> They have, or is it like carpets? (laughs) No, no. Sadly, I'm the kind of person that's kind of involved in a lot of that stuff. You know, with what I do. So I'm doing a lot of work with pythons at the moment, and but we've done work with boas, and the work that we did with boas in I think the paper was published a couple of years ago. um, We kind of showed that there are three main groups of boas. Okay. Um, There's boa constrictor, the southern lineage. Um, So, you know, the Guiana, the Suriname, all that kind of stuff. Right. then you got boa imperator, so there's no longer boa constrictor imperator, it's boa imperator, so that was raised in full species. Mm. And from that, you've got some subspecies, like sabogai and stuff like that. But also now we have boa sigma, and boa sigma is found in Mexico or part of Mexico. Okay. Um, and it's a full species as well. And, and I, I've got no doubt um, to think that there will be more species. The fact that we've got some of these really cool animals that we haven't sequenced yet, uh-huh. you know, like these little Tarahumara mountain boas, these little cloud forest boas and so on, that are very, very different. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of those become elevated to full species and things like the, um, the cloud boa, the uh, nebulosa and Arophius, I wouldn't be surprised if they got elevated to species level because they've been restricted for so long and they're phenotypically very, very different. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. It's just a matter of getting hold of the samples for that work. And also, it's not as if we can get research funding to do this very easily. Right. You know, this is kind of a hobby research that does it. You know, we're mm-hmm. doing a lot of work with, with pythons. So we've got shed skins from, I think, nearly all species of pythons here in the lab, and we've sequenced most of them. Um, and, you know, the stuff that we're finding from that, I can't really talk about it, but there's some really remarkable findings that are going to upset a lot of people. And they're going to excite a lot of people. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know, whenever I hear this work, you know, whenever people talk about, oh, you know, he cares about genetics, they are what they are. Some of them are really different. 
um, really dramatically different. So it's going to be interesting to see how that's received in time, uh-huh. you know, and um, there, but it's really cool findings. Um, and I think that's one of the other things that makes me interested in working with pythons more. You know, whenever you get down to the real genetic level and you find out what, you know, something that we thought was a species now can be split into many species. Right. Or something that we thought was many species can now be lumped into one species. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to upset people and people are going to have to redo their websites. <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> some some hmm. fancy books that have come out recently might have to get revised. But, um, yeah, if it's accepted. Right. So. Well, that's cool. That's that is cool, and that's very reminiscent of when we saw uh, Daniel and Touche come out and tell the Green Tree Python guys that they were wrong, and they they're just be careful, Warren. We don't want to see you get like dragged through the street or something like that. It's like you know, <laughs> burned a stake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. But here's the deal: um, if if people don't accept it, that is what it is. You right. know, people are always going to be crossing animals. Always going to be crossing locales. What it might mean is that people become more aware of rare locales mm-hmm. and how they might want to start preserving those. You know, look back to Trooper Walsh and, and those guys. They were they were breeding whatever carpet or sorry whatever green tree python they could get. They weren't saying, well, this is a beak and this is a a lyra and this is a you know wherever and then they were keeping them locality specific. They were crossing animals because that's what they had. Right. Mm-hmm. So. You know, and, and you look at some of the animals that have been produced from crosses, they are remarkable. So people are still going to do that. But it might just mean that they're aware that, well, maybe they want to preserve some lines as being locality pure, and in that case, species pure. Um, and from that, they can still do their crosses, but it just means you're a little bit more careful uh, with how you do your, with how you preserve your lineages. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> it's very, it's very similar I, I see boas as very similar to the carpet pythons um, mm-hmm. in many ways. You know, just like you were saying that you have these, you know, two different ways you could go. You got the locality type subspecies or species or whatever, and then you got the morphs that just want to make cool snakes. And then you got within those morphs, you have this, you know, that same type of thing where you can kind of do both, you know, kind of like what Nick does, you know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. um, right. but, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, very cool. And no, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you were, I mean, size-wise, I mean, they kind of fit in that box too, right? I mean, they're about the same size. So basically how you would keep a carpet is basically the, this suggested way to keep a boa, same type of size. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I think so. Um, I, you know, you wouldn't need to go bigger than a four-foot um, vivarium if you wanted to keep, you know, in, in kind of cages. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, whenever I have my... Sonoran boas back in Northern Ireland. I kept them in four foot by two foot by two foot cages, and they were expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, many of them I, I, I keep, I use a lot of rack systems, so I use freedom breeders. Mm-hmm. And for my adult uh, Nicaraguan, Sonoran, and Costa Rican boas, I use the freedom breeder 90, which is, um, I don't know, it's like a meter wide by about a meter deep, something along those. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're fantastic, and the bulls do really well. They thrive, and you can keep them in something bigger if you wanted. But um, that's for females. For males, you know, I'm I'm kind of in the same vein as, as as Nick and Vin Russo and so on when it comes to feeding. And in fact, whenever I've done shows with Nick and with with Vin, I think we've we've, we've discussed feeding more than anything about how we just don't like to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my adult female boas might get 12 meals a year at most. Right. My adult males, I get, I get eight or nine. Um, so the males are maybe three feet long, 
three and a half feet long, and they're, you know, I keep them in, in the Freedom Breeder 90s, and, you know, they're, they're kind of lost in there, so there's plenty of space. Um, so anybody that had ball pythons and they had all those racks, you know, they're ideal for that kind of thing. If they want to realize they get a snake that's active and does cool things and does, doesn't sit there, and right. once you can actually sell well. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and they're a good transition. They, they're, they're not as easy to breed, but, you know, that's a good thing as well because it means you don't flood the market as easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're very, very easy to keep. But you can keep them anyways. You know, any of these baby boas, you put them in arboreal cages, they will be arboreal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's something that I really like doing with, with some of the babies. If I bring them into the lab, you know, I'll put them in exoterras or, or um, the zoo med cages and, and put a bunch of fine branches, and, and they'll be sitting in those most of the day. You know, so it's... Uh, it's fun to keep them in that sense. Gotcha. Now, do you go... But, but, go ahead. But in terms of the size, it's related. So my adult males might get a small rat or a jumbo mouse once every three to four weeks. My adult females will range from a medium rat, maybe up to a jumbo rat for a 15 to 20-year-old female. But that's about it. But that, those females might be five and a half feet long. They're getting the... Or six feet long. They're getting the really big rats. But... You know, eight of those a year, and they're they're done. You know, so 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 a lot of like actually, I think it was maybe it was when Nick. You, I don't know if you were on Vin Russo's podcast or if it was Nick's or whatever, but. But uh, it, that was the one that kind of got me thinking about the whole cycle feeding, you know, and mm-hmm. like how it just kind of makes sense. And, and I just saw the parallels again between boas and carpet pythons that just seemed to. I don't know. It just seems to make sense. Um, but here's yeah, whenever the... you got whenever you got weather or climate variables, and mm-hmm. you know you're you're going to find breeding of small mammals or lizards or whatever kind of cycle with that. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna you're gonna get periods of boom and you're gonna get periods of bust. So whenever they're whenever they're in that boom phase, you can feed them pretty frequently. But they're gonna be, my my boas. I stop feeding in November, and I don't start feeding again until the end of February. Okay. So you know and. It's just the way it works for mine, and that's babies included. <clears throat> okay, I was going to ask that question because uh, that's something that comes up a lot. You know, some people have the mindset that you know I'm going to feed the adults this way, but I feed the babies a different way. You, so you follow it for everything. Yeah, so do I. I cycle. Yeah, my basement goes down to about 65 degrees in the winter, mm-hmm. um, and I don't alter hot spots or anything. I keep the hot spots what they would be uh, mm-hmm. all year round. But the front of the cages, the front of the racks, cools down to maybe in the 70s, the low 70s. And I will find most of the boas will sit at the front of the rack in the cooler in the cooler cooler site um, for the almost the entire winter. Um, and uh, whenever I start warm, whenever the room starts naturally warming up, then you'll see activity happening, and that's when I start feeding again. Which is kind of um, things start changing a little bit in February, end of February, mm-hmm. and I'll start feeding then. I'll start pairing animals and then separating and feeding. But you know, I I, I find that. You know what it will do is it means that the boas might take an extra year before you can breed them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. you know, I'm a. I find that my boas grow more in the winter whenever I'm not feeding them than when I am feeding them. So you really see length being put on the snakes at that point. Hmm. Um, and it's also nice because then you're not feeding them, so you're not cleaning them. It's the best time <laughs> yes. in the world. Yeah. That's when everyone says, "I can have 200 boas. This is great." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can buy frozen and put them in the freezer and squirrel them away for when the boas are yeah. all awake. Yeah, I got it. That's exactly you know. right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's so, yeah. What... So that I, you know, I've, I've done that for a long time. Um, 
with all of my snakes. The only ones that I wouldn't do it with would be colubrids. You know, yeah. obviously there's colubrids that you would hibernate, um, but um, like neotropical ones, you wouldn't. You would just feed them, you know, throughout the year because they've got such high metabolism. But with boas and pythons, that where the metabolic rate um, can be so low, um, you know, we vastly overfeed snakes in captivity. Mm-hmm. We know what happens in terms of their organ growth, you know, like heart doubling in size and intestinal change and all that happening whenever you feed them. And that lasts for about two weeks and then that atrophies and goes back to its regular state. So in the, in the winter, they're just not in this kind of um, lower metabolic state and, and it doesn't seem to affect them at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, so when, I, I, here's a question. So like when it comes to, and I, is it just normal, like hotspot temperatures of like, you know, like maybe 87 or 88 or is it higher for boas or how does that work? Yeah, so mine, I keep the ambient temperature um, in the summer. Um, sits at around probably 84, 85. So there's going to be a hot spot that sits around the 88 or 90 and a cool end that's closer to like um, 82 or 81. Okay. Um, and, and that's kind of where I keep it. So the hot spot will stay like that in the winter, but the, the boas avoid it and they'll, go, they'll sit at 72 or 73 um, preferentially and they can move right across. I'll put um, um, hide boxes uh, across the, the, the racks, you know, so they've got a hot and a cool end, and they'll, they'll more often than not sit on the cool end. And even if there's no um, hide box at the cool end, but there's one in the hot, and they'll sit in the cool end still. So they, they, they preferentially choose that. Okay. <clears throat> Again, very similar to carpet pythons. That's, uh, that's well, interesting. Yeah, you know, they're absolutely. You know, there's, the parallels are, you know, they... They have comparable, in terms of the Central Americans, they, I think they're mm-hmm. very comparable in size to many of the carpets. Um, if fed correctly, if that's what we want to say, <laughs> yeah, um, they produce, do. Yeah. produce comparable <laughs> litter size or clutch size numbers of babies, you know, and, and, and they're, they're probably about the, close to the same size whenever they're produced, I would think. You know, baby carpets might be a little bit smaller, but right. um, it depends on the locality. You know, I've got... It's funny, you know, I'm looking at several litters that I've got from Costa Ricans, from Sonorans, and from Nicaraguans uh-huh. in the same rack, and there's a, there's a lot of size variation. I should take a picture of it, um, yeah. you know, where some babies will start off on um, small mice, other ones are starting off on fluff mice, you know, kind of fuzzy mice. Um, wow. So, and, and litter size varies, so Sonoran boas, while they're small, they might only be four and a half feet long for female, they produce a lot of babies. So my four and a half feet, uh, my, I had a leopard boa produce uh, about a month ago, and altogether she had 25. Wow. And she's four and a half for five Jeez. feet long, whereas a similar size Nicaragua might have 12, 12 or 13. So huh. the babies are half the size. Um, gestation the same like the time generally gestation in my, uh, in my place um, after ovulation, generally about 95 days, and I see babies. Okay. Um, so maybe it goes to 99, but generally about 95 is where I see babies being born. Um, but there's just a lot of variation in litter size. Is it, uh, you know, when it comes to breeding, what's the, what's the difficulty? Is it, is it by, you know, the different species or different locales are harder than others? Or is it just in general, boas are just more difficult? You know, well, I think there's a couple of things. I don't find them difficult at all. I find them easy. You know, this year I put together... Um, six females and six males, and all of them produced. Damn. Um, yeah. So I think once you've got it dialed in, they're and they're fed okay. They're not they're not obese, um, and they're not stressed. They 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 do fine. Um, 
I think it's just people that, that move from ball pythons, which are so easy. You know, you can have one male that might breed with 10 females or more. Hmm. Um, you don't yep. really get that with, you don't get that with boas. You know, you try and pair them with more than two or three females, and then you start seeing real changes in fertility rates and so on and stress levels in the boas. So I like to just breed one male to one female. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll breed one male to two females, but I'll, that'll be if the second female is maybe a month or two behind the first female, so the, the males had a little bit of a break. Um, and I feed throughout, so my boas all feed throughout breeding. I'll pair for five days or seven days and separate for three or four, during which time I'll feed the female and I'll feed the male. And then after a couple of days, I'll put them back in with each other. And, and also whenever the females are gravid, I'll feed them as well. I'll feed them throughout um, right up until, you know, within a, a week of giving birth. <clears throat> so they, um, I, I, yeah, so why people have trouble breeding boas, I think they might keep them too warm. They don't give them that opportunity to cool down, which I think helps. Right. Or they feed continually. And, and, and I think having that food cycling is important. Right. right. And also, they, you know, I don't, I, I don't find that my boas are, you know, ball pythons are almost at that point where they're so domesticated, you can breed them at any time of the year. And I think that happens with many people's collections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't really think that happens with boas yet, at least not with mine. And some of my boas are, you know, I've got five or six generations of boas that I produced from the last 25 years that are still, they will, they will cycle and breed at the exact same time of year. And mm-hmm. if I look back in the records, they're producing babies the same month, sometimes the same week, a year or two or three years apart than they did before. Hmm. Um, so they're really set on this rhythm. Um, so I find that mine are very, very cyclical and set in that kind of routine. Um, so I think if you're coming at it from a different species, which is so easy to breed, that you almost don't need to do anything, right. um, then then you might have problems a little bit. Gotcha. You know, I think, um, you know, things like ball pythons that are, you know, we think about ball pythons as being problematic feeders and this and that. And I don't think that at all anymore. Um, I thought that 25 years ago when I got my first pair or trio, but, you know, I just had 60 50 or 60 ball pythons over the last couple of years and all of them fed on defrost from birth mm-hmm. you know they were really easy feeders but i didn't feed them every five days i fed them every two weeks so they're always looking for food and right. uh you know there weren't these big fat sausages that sat in the you know the back of the cage you know i think once they get to that point then you know for ball pythons it might work but for boas it doesn't work obese ball py- obese boas do not breed very well yeah. Now, you see high infertility rates. Now, uh, from what I've seen with my Dominicans, like a lock for a boa, like they use their entire body. Is that true mm-hmm. with all the other ones where it's like it's not just like a carpet python will just twist the tails. Like the male wraps up the female, right? It varies. Yeah, okay. it varies in the, in the boas. So it's really interesting if you look at some of the, the island locality boas in Central America versus uh, some of the mainland. Mm-hmm. The mainland, you might see a little bit of tail wrapping, and some of the other localities you see almost complete wrapping around, um, you know, spiraling around the female. Yeah. Um, so it, it does vary. Uh, it also varies depending on size. The smaller males really seem to get at that. They can twist around and, and wrap around the female a lot. But also um, boas are known in the wild to form these mating balls, just like anacondas do. Okay. So you'll get multiple males all kind of fighting for this or trying to breed with a female, and they'll just wrap around whatever way they can. So I, I find that it varies depending on the size of the animal and also the, the locality. 
generally the smaller will wrap around. And if I keep them in different kind of enclosures, if I put them in more arboreal enclosures, I'll find that they will, uh, they'll tend to kind of wrap around more as well. You just kind of like the hang on to her so she doesn't get away or it's like, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Mm. There's, there's a lot of size dimorphism, at least in the animals that I've got. Mm-hmm. So a female um, that's five and a half feet long, the male is breeding or might be three feet long. Mm. So he's just kind of this, this little worm riding on the back. <laughs> uh, you know, so, uh, mm-hmm. And I, I find that with all of my boas, there's a lot of... I, I just don't feed my male boas a lot. and They seem to be very ready to breed. They're not these kind of lazy slugs that sit around. So... That could be part of it. I'm sure if I fed them more, you could get them up to the five or five and a half feet long, but they tend to be small and lean. And, and as a result, they, I think they, they need to hold on the best they can. <laughs> so kind of wrapping around seems to be the way they, they seem to do that. Right. Yeah. Cool. I think I might have some pictures on my Facebook. I'll, I'll need to go back and look at that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you're asking questions that I should know that I... It's I'm all right. Thinking, really? I, <laughs> I, I I barely know what pythons I have downstairs. It's all right. It makes total sense to me. But um, <laughs> I was like I was like that a couple of days ago, and then I counted. Yeah. <laughs> you see, don't don't ever count. But um, yeah. how, how do you prepare for a litter? Because it's like with me, it's so laid back. Because I'm like, listen. If she lays her eggs and I'm not here, she'll take care of them until I get here, and then I'll just take the eggs from her. Then it's like. You can all of a sudden have just a mother amongst her babies. Like, how do you, do you have to and do it happens. extra here's prepping? How I, here's how I prepare for a little okay. bit. It's very simple. Six months earlier, I book a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> and that vacation is going to last two to three weeks. Okay. And I can guarantee you They'll that multiple females babies. will give birth. During that <laughs> it happened this year. It happened last year. Every time. It's guaranteed, and it's obviously the most important litters as well. Are all sure. Do that. So, <laughs> of course, yeah, it's always year, that had one. some really important ones. You know, they give birth. But what I'll do is I will just put. You know, normally I just use unprinted kind of packing paper for substrate. Mm-hmm. Um, but for my for my gravid females, I'll use um, aspen or kind of repi chip kind of stuff, and I'll just put in a layer of that. And generally, what the female will do is she'll make a nest, like a little indentation or a bowl within that. She'll drop the babies in that. And the other thing that you can do is boas are really neat in that I can put a, a small tub inside their enclosure, and nine times out of ten, she will give birth in that tub. So she will literally raise her tail into that, deliver the babies into that, and then she'll sit in the corner, the opposite corner. Wow. So it means cleanup nice. is really easy. You know, you just go in, you lift that out. Um, but, you know, if I'm here, and uh, it's very easy for me to recognize that a female is going into labor. So I get, you know, I check on my boas multiple times a day and you see behavioral changes and so on. So there's times where I've been able to say, right, she's going to give birth tonight or early tomorrow morning. And the next morning I go down and she's wiggling her tail and the minute she starts giving birth. So I think I might have some videos on my, on my Facebook page as well of, of some of them giving birth or I might upload some, you know, where I've just walked in on time and, and they've been doing that. But um, they're, they, I can guarantee that this year um, some of the females give birth I was away for three weeks, mm-hmm. um, and I can guarantee that some of those females gave birth at the very beginning of that. So I came back, and there was a bunch of babies, and they'd all shed their skin, and they were all just sitting in a pile in the corner. Um, wow. And as long as the enclosure is large enough, the female's not going to crush them. So, you know, I just put in a couple of hide boxes and so on, and, and I have no problems for that. I've never had a, a case of, of females crushing their babies or eating their baby. Well, obviously I wouldn't know if she's eating them, but I've seen enough <laughs> give birth. They're not. Right. What I have seen is I've 
seen Amazon tree boas eat infertile ova and, and also stillborn babies, but I've never seen um, boa imperator doing that, at least at my place. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> That's interesting. I, 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 did, I did have uh, a Dominican have one litter of infertile ova, and I'm like, oh, it'll just eat it. And then, like, it was still there, like, later on. And I'm like, no, oh, well, I'll just clean it. That's fine. You don't have to eat them, I guess. But um, it, it, it was definitely very kind of weird because I'm very bad at counting. So it was just all of a sudden open drawer. Oh, crap, there are little ones in here. So Yeah, they, yeah, they, they can be small as well. Like if they have a lot of babies or can have a lot of babies. Yeah. <clears throat> so, like, do you... Do you try counting it out, I guess, after you see the ovulation or you know she's pregnant? Or can it be, like, how, what's your margin of error? Like, could you kind of get it no, down to the day or is it yeah, kind of hard? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. it's really easy to do that. Um, so ovulation is very obvious in boas. They'll, they'll go through a pre-ovulation phase, but they'll swell. Mm -hmm. And that can last several weeks. And then um, that's a great time to be pairing your animals. And then what I'll do is once I see the pre-ovulation... I will then I'll pair them, and then I'll give the female a very large meal. And generally, within a week of that, she ovulates. Mm -hmm. And ovulation is enormous. Um, it's both lateral, um, and horizontal, and vertical. You know, it looks like they they swallow a football. Okay. Um, <laughs> to the point where you think these things are going to explode. You know, you pick them up, and they're solid. They're just a solid mass. Um, and at that point, um, generally, it's about two weeks, sometimes three weeks, until they shed their skin. And at that point, from then on, it's around 95. For myself, it's around 95 days until they give birth. For, for many boas, it's around 104 days. I've had them give birth as early as 90 days, and they were all healthy babies. So generally, and for the centrals, I find at, in my place, in my temperatures, kind of 90 to 95 um, days is around the range that I see babies being produced. So as I say, it's, it's, it's always whenever I'm away, literally <laughs> this year. <laughs> <laughs> Every year, it, and it's going to be something simple. It could be like, I'm away for five days at a meeting. Oh, I can guarantee that five days is going to be three boas good birth. You know, it's and it is what it is. Right. So, so yeah. when breeding them, does do you take in? Because they're a tropical species, do you take into account like uh, storms and stuff? Do so they respond to that? Like you know, fronts and pressure drops and all that kind of stuff coming through. Yeah. I believe they do. Um, I've seen it, you know, one of the great things about living in Oklahoma is we, we get some really cool storms come through, especially at that point in the summer. Uh, and I've definitely seen uh, some, um, you know, pretty heavy storms come in and the females get agitated and start moving. Mm. Um, and if it's around the time, I, I don't see females go into early labor as a result of that, but I definitely see that it, um, that change in pressure and humidity seems to get the females going uh, quite a bit. So, you know, it, it, it's characteristic in, in Central America and South America, you know, at the time whenever they're going to give birth close to or during storms, it helps dissipate kind of any afterbirth and so on. So it helps um, eliminate scent and, and, and prevent predators coming to find the babies. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just a natural evolutionary process that we still see the remnants of in captivity. But I, I definitely see it, and I see it um, if I'm, you know, I come into the office and, and, and my lab, and I work late many nights. And when storms are coming through, my tree boas are really active. You know, <laughs> I'll open up the windows, and those things get—they really start getting agitated and, and moving around. So it's a good time to pair animals at that point. So I was about to ask: Are you breeding the boas that are in your office? I mean, is it like yeah. 
you go, you, yeah. you're at home and there are boas giving birth and you come to the office and there are boas giving yeah. birth there too. <laughs> it, it tends to be, yeah. So I, um, up until, um, maybe a year or two ago, I had some Central American boas in my office and I put them in and, and I deliberately put them together, housed them together, you know, did the ultimate sin of cohabbing snakes. <laughs> In a glass enclosure. Oh God! Know, so. Oh no! That's two strikes. We had three-foot enclosure. You know, kept them on aspen, uh, the shredded type or the the, the chip type, so they're going to get ingest that every time they ate their meal. <laughs> and I kept them together, and I had a heat mat uh, set on a thermostat, um, and they fed. And they bred and they produced a really healthy litter. Of course, I was away again, but I came into the office a couple of weeks later and there was a pile of babies. So, Jesus. you know, I, I think I've got pictures on maybe on my Facebook page of some of the tree boas whenever, you know, I, 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 I co-have my a pair of my Corrales Ruschenbergeri and, you know, I'll come in and they're wrapping tails. So they're just at the point where they should start, start breeding. They, I've had those for um, five years, and the females about six and a half feet long, and the males about four and a half feet. So they're really starting to get active. So I'm hoping to produce them next year, but that will be in my in my office as well. The ultimate sin. Yeah, I mean, just. <laughs> so with yeah. the, is there much <laughs> of heat rock? You know, it's like then. That's too far, far, Owen. That's too far. Too far, yeah, Owen. Too far. Sorry. <laughs> but, I don't know. Up. Maybe I, I could put a hot rock in here somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Is the tree boas uh, uh, are they different than you know the regular regular boas uh, as far as breeding yes, goes? Yes, Eric, they're in trees. I, I what like that's it's in their name. Dude. Well, I, I, I know that, but like you know, it seems like they seem to be a little more you know difficult. You know, Angry. I don't find them difficult. I think um, with the emerald tree boas, whenever you get captive bred animals, um, they're uh, you know, that haven't been um, housed in some exporters in Suriname or Guyana and, and came into contact with, with, with high densities of birds. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think it's a problem. So my captive bred emeralds are fantastic. You know, I just got a uh, another male emerald that, that Rico Walder produced 10 years ago. Oh, wow. I just got it a couple of weeks ago in, in, in a trade. And that animal is just amazing. In fact, <laughs> Ryan Young hit me up a couple of days ago and he's like, did you get this animal? I said, yeah. He's like, yeah, I was meant to get that on you bastard. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I got it in trade. Fuck you. <laughs> um, and it, it, it's bomb-proof, you know. It, it's, you keep it in the right way, the right temperatures, with the right humidity, and, and I don't think there's a problem. Right. You know, it's same thing with my, with my uh, tree boas. So the Amazon tree boas are all very easy to keep. You know, these, they're, they're like the corn snakes of the tree boa world. They eat a lot. Um, they're active. Um, come in lots of different colors, and they're very resilient. You know, they don't seem to be susceptible to respiratory infections or anything like that. Right. And then I look at my, my uh, uh, Corrales Ruschenberger, right? So I have them from uh, Costa Rica, from Venezuela, and from Trinidad, and they're all bomb-proof animals. You know, they're, they're just great feeders. And, and again, you know, I'm sitting in, in my office in Oklahoma, and with my tree boas, the thing that's different is... Um, I use uh, ceramic heaters above them. Okay. So I'm keeping them in Exoterra or Zoomat. Again, the ultimate sin for keeping tree boas. <laughs> uh, because they've got, you know, there's all that, all that ability for humidity to escape. But, and I'm using uh, 
heat emitters that will dry the air. Well, they seem to be doing pretty good after the eight years that I've been here. Um, <laughs> I do have a, I've got a misting system set up, so I, I've converted a uh, ultrasonic humidifier. I'll take a picture of it and I'll, I'll post it in the uh, in the chat. Okay. And it uh, is set up on a timer, so in the morning, at about five in the morning, it will run for an hour, and it simulates dew forming on the branch, on the leaves, and the glass, and oh, the tree cool. will drink from that. And then I've got a, a misting system, a uh, Mist King or Mist Pro or one of those that I'll turn on maybe twice a week, and that kind of damps down the. Um, I, I keep them on RepliChip. Okay. Or I keep RepliChip in the bottom of their enclosures, and that damps that down, and that that will obviously um, evaporate over time as well. But the the, the key for for keeping tree boas, I think, is not overfeeding them, mm. not keeping them too warm, and giving them fresh water. They like fresh water every day or two, um, and they they thrive. So um, yeah, I, I haven't had a problem with mine. Huh. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah, and I, I used to keep a lot of tree boas. So back in Ireland, I I probably had about 50 Amazon tree boas. Mm. I bred a lot of them. I bred them probably over 20 times, and, and they were a lot of fun. You know, they were very easy to feed. So, you know, you've probably heard in the U.K. that you, you don't feed live. Yeah. It's very difficult yeah. and inappropriate to feed live. So, um, so you know, baby Amazon tree boas that are born, you know, they look small and spindly, but they would eat hopper mice, defrost, warm hopper mice. I would just keep them all together in an aquarium without the water, obviously. <laughs> Find branches, and I'd warm up, I'd superheat um, hopper mice, and I would just offer it to them. And as soon as one struck, that would seem to get the attention of the rest of them. They would, I would, in a litter, um, I would find that 70%, 75% of the babies would feed that first time whenever they were all housed together after seeing some of the other ones feeding. Uh, I'd, I'd never had a problem with tree boas. Same thing with boa uh, imperator. You know, if, if I sit down, I, I'll, I'll get them all to feed on defrost without real problems this year is the first year that i've actually fed live because just having six litters um and having two young kids you know and family and, and work sure and being really busy um mm -hmm. this year i, I kind of decided to get some live just to kick off for the first or second feed so that i wasn't sitting down you know in the basement with a headlamp and heating things up and getting them going that way so um but after one or two meals they'll, they'll all take defrost without problems so they're they, Boas, in general, I find to be really easy feeders. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the, with the, the uh, Corrales Richenbergeri because I know that, you know, if we look at some of the literature on those, they're when they're small, they will be lizard feeders or primarily mm -hmm. lizard feeders. So it's going to be interesting. And I know that um, Ian Bissell, I think, had some problems, um, and, and Keith McPeak had. They produced um, Corrales Richenbergeri mm -hmm. from Costa Rica um, earlier this year, or maybe last year, and, and I know that they had some issues trying to get them to feed. And I think Ian said in the end he, he lost two of those babies and one survived. So that will be a, an interesting kind of um, trial. Uh, around here in the summer, we get a lot of these little cricket frogs. And I think that might be an option of just going down to some of the creeks and collecting a bunch of cricket frogs and see how they go. Right, um, yeah. Or, or just buying. I, I'll be interested to see this, you know, that kind of the, the lizard scent that... Um, yeah, the uh, reptilinks. Reptilinks. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm interested to, to try that as well. You know, and but I, everything else seems to have been really simple. I, I really don't think you're a major snake breeder until you've contemplated putting frozen frogs in a blender and making some sort of slurry <laughs> in order to get a baby snake to eat. Because 
<laughs> I, I was talking to a few people about how I'm going to try for the Madagascar hogs this year. And one of them was, uh, and one of them said, literally, go down to a creek and catch as many tadpoles as you can. Blend them up real good. I'm like, wait, blend them? He's like, yeah, blend them up real good. Oh, and then put that on the pinkies. I'm like, well, maybe I might try to find another way. But it's like that you almost, you do what you got to do to get the baby snake eating. Yeah. I, I don't know if you have got them, but 20-something years ago, I bought a pinky pump. Yes, I have one. Right. It's it's. I, know, I almost let them mount it on the wall. Mind, <laughs> in my mind, that thing seems so simple to use. Of course. But whenever you load a bunch of pinkies in that there, and you squeeze it, the thing like ruptures. And oh, in the end, like one fluid ounce of ooze seeps at the other end, and you just <laughs> yeah. got a compacted mass of pinkies. That's whenever you know you got a real problem. To yeah. and, and it's like, and I understand how. This company got a bunch of people hook, line, and sinker. It's like you get this giant metal syringe, and you pass the pinky through. Do it twice through the serrated disc. A pinky is not going to go through the two, like unless, the three little holes. Like, or, come on. Unless you put it in water for too long. You know, there's I, like yeah. I crossed all my rooms at room temperature. Right, right. But there has been that time where I've been like, you know, I, I need to heat these up a little bit, and then you forget about it, and you come back like 30 minutes later, and it's just like a mass of molten, yeah. you know, mouse part. I think if you do that there, you probably get it to squeeze through at that point. But, but uh, even you know, then, I'm, it was such it, a mess. That was gross. Yeah. You know, but I will, I'll take the easy route. I will simply cut off a bunch of tails of rats. Yep. I will dip them in egg yolk, and I will use that. You know, I'm not going to sit around and try and tease them with a little part of this or a part of that. I'm just going to, you know, if it's not feeding within a certain period of time, I'll use that, and if it takes three or four of those, and it doesn't, it doesn't kick in, then evolution did not want that thing to exist. Yep. So yep. genes were not meant to be passed on. I'm going to select the animals that are the best feeders that will then become my breeding stock from then on, and I'll yeah. use that kind of mentality. You know, it's for me, boa breeding is just, an, it's just a hobby. So mm -hmm. you know, I don't need everything to feed and. And I've got no problems euthanizing things. One of the one of my one of my great purchases this year or swaps was I traded a ball python for a king snake. Imagine <laughs> <laughs> what that king snake's been used for. <laughs> Those little guys that never wanted to take off, you know, they um, they became a meal. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's times where you get those that are deformed or kinked, you know, and yeah. they'll that's, the king snake takes takes care of that. Well, so. and that's and that's something. I mean. <clears throat> there's something because obviously we just had the Daytona reptile show and there's usually one per show that's just like, you know, buy this boa or buy this ball python that has no eyeballs. It's like, yeah. and they're usually about two years old. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, necessarily, maybe we don't have to let them all live. <laughs> like, you know, maybe we don't want to let, cause well, I, I think, I think in that case, I think it's the morph kind of craze. Yeah. To maintain that kind of thing. Right. So I, I've seen it recently with ball pythons, um, a guy that had got into this scaleless head. Um, mm -hmm. They got a, like a pastel um, head, or, or head scaleless that's got no eyeballs. And I was like, what the fuck? But he got like, it for you know, cheap, <laughs> right? No, got... I don't think so. Not that cheap. Okay. All right. You know, because, you know and I'm, I'm thinking, why would you even yeah, why? go mm -hmm. on that line? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. no, I think the eye, the lack of eyeballs, I don't think is a heritable trait, but you know it 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 will potentially have a fitness effect on that animal. Sure. And I'm thinking, well, not, why not spend that little bit of extra money 
and have that one that you can look in the eyes and say, right, you know, <laughs> there it is. Right. Yeah. Why are you going to have that worry of is it going to feed and is it going to maintain its feeding and so on? I, but I think it's the morph craze has done that. Um, yeah. And I've got no desire to keep an animal that is not, that is likely to have a fitness issue. So the lack of eyeballs, it's going inside the king snake, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, a, a kink, it's going inside the king snake. I've got, you know, I'm, I'm just not going to. I'm not going to breed from it, and I'm not going to sell sell it, and I'm not going to give it away because I I just don't think I can trust people to maintain no. that for the rest of that animal's life. And I've had boas that are that have been 40 years old, yeah. so it's maintained properly. You know, they're a long-lived animal, so I've got no desire for that. I would rather um, just take that out of the gene pool altogether uh, than than potentially pass it on to other people. Yeah, and, and you really can't trust, especially if it's some sort of morph. Somebody be like, "Oh yeah, it'll just be a pet." Bullshit. <laughs> like they they will find something to breed to it if it's yeah. if there's a dollar sign attached to whatever it could produce, regardless of yeah. the health of the parent animal. Yeah, somebody will take a swing at that. You know, and yeah. I've seen that with you know a lot of my work is kind of my hobby research in the lab has been based around the idea of parthenogenesis and snakes, and mm. in my freezer. I think I've probably got about 50 parthenogenetic boas and pythons in my freezer. Jeez. And and that's because they might be born looking good, but mm-hmm. I've seen it within six months to two years. That's when I see the major decline in their fitness. Um, they'll they just keel over and die. And the longest lived one I've had has been nine years. And I was a female that that reproduced, but after reproducing that first time, she never recovered. And the same thing with the parthenogenetic ball python, produced and then never recovered. And the gestations were, were really tweaked, and, you know, it just wasn't uh, a good thing. But I see a, a lot of parthenogenetic boas being produced, and a bunch of parthenogenetic pythons, and I see people selling them. And I just, you know, I can't, I can't really agree with that because I know that the long-term fitness of that animal is not there. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, taking money for that kind of thing, I just totally disagree with. No. And again, homing it with someone, you know, people... You know, you, you've seen what it's like. If I turn around and on a Facebook page or, or Instagram and say, I've got these boas for free, you know, you get people coming out of the wood, woodwork to get them, saying they're going to give it a loving home for the rest of its life. And then six months later, you see the other posts, you know, oh, my car's broken down or, you know, lifestyle changes me and I have to rehome my animals and then they're selling them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means that somebody else is going to get it and they don't know that it's a parthenogen and it's likely to die within a very short period of time. I just don't, you know, I'm just not into that kind of, of way of, of uh, rehoming animals. It's, um, if, it's, if its fitness is really going to be affected, then it's going to benefit a king snake. Yeah, it, 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 I'd much rather turn it into Kribo food than let it go out there and potentially adverse affect other stuff and, or not right. be taken care of properly. So, you know, that's yeah. me. You know, I mean, I've got no desire to have my reputation being. No. Uh, yeah. Muddied for the sake of one or two snakes, you know. I try to produce good quality animals and, and move those on so that people will have fun with them. Yeah. I've got, you know, I don't need somebody coming back and saying that I sold them a dud, you know. Well, yeah. And also, it, it, say it has a defect, like, say, a kink spine or something like that, and it feeds and it does all right now, but then a year mm-hmm. from now has complications and other things like that. Nobody is ever going to sit there and be like, well, he did warn us. Now, you could yeah. say it eight million ways. It's When it comes down to it is you sold them a snake that was defective. So, yeah. Yeah. Nope. That's right. 
you know, I did have a, I had a, a boa that I sold a couple of years ago, a leopard boa, maybe a het leopard, and it just didn't do well for the guy. Um, it didn't feed very well or didn't feed at all, mm. which was the opposite of what it was doing here. Mm. And I didn't hear from the guy for months and months and months, maybe a year. Then he contacted me to say it died. Mm. And what I did, so this is a het leopard, maybe 125 bucks. I sent him a leopard boa worth 500 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I just right. said, well, I'm really sorry about that, you know, and here you go. This one's feeding great. And, uh, you know, I, and the guy seemed to be very happy with it, you know, so. Yeah, that, that, that's, and that's normal. Now, if he came back to you a year later and said that the leopard had died, I'd start being like, listen, dude, we yeah. have to have a conversation about your keeping because clearly I, something right. is not right. <laughs> so, not, you know. everybody that, not everybody that hears this thinks, ah, but if I buy a hat from Warren, yeah, and then and kill in it. A year's time, he'll send me a for free. Perfect. <laughs> no. That's the plan. Yeah. See, I just tell yeah. Eric that he was supposed to send me something and then wait for him to get confused. And then, <laughs> like, Eric, you were supposed to send me that. Was I? Yes. And oh, don't worry, I'll swing by and grab it. Right. So, yeah. And there you go. I take it you've lost kind of what you got, Eric? Yeah, kind no. of. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, yeah, I guess. Uh, My yeah. favorite. Whenever you go home at night, you're, you're physically sick at the thought of what you've got. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bill. Yeah, pretty much. My favorite is when he gives me something, and then I'm like, hey, man, I, this doesn't fit with me. I'm going to give it back to you. And I bring it back after like a year and a half, and it's already outgrown its parents, and then I feel ashamed. <laughs> so it's like... That did just happen. That did just happen. <laughs> that just happened. I, I give a bunch of animals away. And you know what? See that, that remarkable sense of like, oh, my goodness. Thank goodness. One last right. to feed. Yes. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. You know? Uh, you know, we all love reptiles, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Any a little too much. <laughs> we all got to cool it every once in a while. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It doesn't last yeah, long though. The, the cool down period, like you know, you're just oh, like, uh, and then you you see somebody and they you like, like yeah. I was looking at uh, again. Uh, Boa Booth is your Facebook page, and um, you know I'm going through for the show, and uh, well, first of all, I have to say I get you know congrats to this uh, world's first uh, Costa Rican T plus leopard orange tail hypo. Which Holy is... crap, that's a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool shit, man. I mean, I'm looking at that, and I'm like, wow. I, mean, I love the leopard yeah, stuff. Um, and then I think there was, um, we'll put a pin in that, and we'll come back. And then I think you posted up, uh, I guess it was somebody that you sold snakes to. I think his name was Dave at 3D Reptiles. Yeah, Dave, yeah. Uh, yeah, who, who... Just, yeah, the leopard T-positive version of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Holy yeah. shit. And I guess so that the... Was, that was the world first as well. Yeah, and only. So. I guess the wow. pictures that were there, they're the parents? Is that the idea? Like, there's the... Um, so... Uh, I don't think I posted pictures of the parents. So I'll have to show them, but they, um, they're just, they look like head leopards. So people, uh, you know, people are going to hate me for this. People will agree and disagree. But the leopard trait, I believe, is an incomplete dominant trait. <clears throat> I think you can pick out leopard or head leopards from a litter um, very easily due to a couple of characteristics. Um, and whenever I, I produce the parents of those animals from breeding a Costa Rican tea positive to a leopard. So I knew all of the babies were double head. They've all got this characteristic look. And... And I sold or traded some to several people. I only traded to three people. Dave was one of them. Uh, Ken Baumgartner and or Baumgarten and um, he also Chris Gilbert. 
got pairs. They all produced from them this year, but Dave was the only one that hit on the on the double uh, visual, the the leopard T positive. I went a slightly Whoa. different route in that a year later I also produced a litter that were orange tail hypo double hats. So I used an orange tail hypo double hat, a hypo double hat to make what I've got. And um, it was really, you know, the female, uh, I palpated her and she had seven uh, developing follicles. So I paired her, she bred and, and uh, on one of the seven, you know, I think it's like a one in 32 chance of producing it. And one of them was the, the hypo leopard T positive. Uh, so it was, it was pretty, and that's of course that's one that was produced while I was on vacation. Oh, d- d- seriously, it's like that? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, and I, I came back, and the first thing, you know, here's my vacation. It was so I used to live in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I got a real affinity for the Outer Banks. Oh yeah. So we, my wife and I, my wife's uh, parents came over. So we we took, you know, my wife and I, my my in-laws, and my two kids. We took two cars and we drove from Oklahoma to Nagsad. So, mm. um, you know, what is that? Like it's a fucking huge ass drive. You know, we spent four <laughs> days there. Right. Yeah. Spent, spent two weeks there and then, and then the drive back again and stayed in different places. And we drove from the final day, we drove from Nashville to Tulsa. And that entire drive, I was sitting thinking, I know it's been produced. I know that that's oh, literally been born. <laughs> I got, I drove that thing fast as shit. I got there <laughs> for my wife. And, uh, and I went, the first thing I did, you know, I walked in the door, said hello to the dogs, went straight to the basement, and I pulled open that drawer, and right there was this little pink baby sitting there, oh. and I just kind of fell to the floor. I was just mind blown. So, um, yeah, it was, it was great. But, you know, again, it, it, it ties into what, you know, many of the problems that people have with ball pythons in that there's, when you increase these number of genes, the likelihood of hitting that baby is so slim whenever the, they might only been having you know, seven or 10 babies in a litter, what's your chance of hitting that one in 32? Well, we can work it out, right? But um, <laughs> what's likely that you're actually going to see it? And, and the fact that I reproduced it and, and there was a male uh, just was just fantastic. And then Dave, uh, he's a really good friend of mine. And uh, he, he sent me a video yesterday, I think it was, or the day before that, I think it was yesterday, um, of opening up the drawer and seeing the pile of babies and and underneath the pile of Aston was that little T-positive leopard. So I'm really, really happy he produced that. And that was a male as well. So, you know, that's fantastic. Wow. You know, they're two, you know, the only ones in the world. And, and I've been offered a lot of money for that one that I produced. But it's, it's not going anywhere. As I said, I don't do this for the money. It's, it's for, the, for the fun of the boas, you know. But right. um, it's a, a really cool little animal. And, it, and it, you know, you, you sit and think, what's the likelihood that I'm going to produce this? Um, and you think, well, it might take a couple of years to hit it. Um, and, you know, that's going to put me, you know, X number of years down the line of what I can produce from it. And the fact mm-hmm. that I produced that and uh, the Motley Costa Rican tea positives means that I can produce some really cool things in about three or four years' time, assuming they survive and breed. Um, so that puts me way ahead of the game again. But again, you know, I've got all these double hats and triple hats that I'm raising up that are all going to be used for all of these different crosses. Yeah. You know, I, I say I don't just think about what I can do next with an animal and just randomly pair it. I, I really sit down at the beginning of each season and I start thinking about what I want to produce. And then um, from that, you know, how do I get to that point? Um, so I start pairing animals or start kind of putting pairs together that should produce that. And then what I'll do 
is you know that's what that means is that I might ultimately down the line start producing a lot of these possible double head, possible triple head. Mm-hmm. For those, I wholesale those. I'll, I'll wholesale them to different wholesalers. So the males will all go to one person, and the females will all go to another person. Mm-hmm. Um, and these could be animals that, if they are actually you know head for all of those traits, might be worth several thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to be the person that sits and starts raising them up or tries to flog all of these animals, you know, and have to right. feed them for months and months. So I'll just wholesale them with normal bows, right? And I'll select back specific animals that I'll then raise up so that whenever I am selling animals, they are 100% het or they're visual. Right. Um, yeah, I don't want the hassle of sitting with all these huge numbers of boas, you know. It's, as much as I love them, you know, I want specific animals. It's, I'm there for specific projects to get me to this next place. Yeah, and it, it, you already have a high enough number of specific animal holdbacks. There's no need to keep padding those numbers with, you know, other ones. You yeah, know. that's it. You know, yeah. there's other animals that I would rather get, you know, so if mm-hmm. I can wholesale them all, that means that I'm not wasting time cleaning them all and feeding them all, and, and that money that I get from those either gets me that next animal or it pays for rats, you know, and yeah. whenever you're spending $1,000 to get rats that are going to last for two months, you know, or <laughs> yeah. you, know, you start thinking about, you know, what what's it really worth, you know, so... It's it that and that makes a ton of sense. And Eric and I have had that conversation too of the like, so it's been two years and I still have these tigers. Maybe I should have just like let them go out the door and focused on their yeah. siblings that were really good looking. So it's one of those things. It's it's I can see yeah. the pluses and the and the minuses of it, but right. Yeah. So I, I try and price my animals very fairly for the market. Mm-hmm. You know, something that you know you're not. There's I'm the only person producing. So for example, those. Those double hats that produced the leopard T positive. Mm-hmm. I produced that litter uh, and I sold six babies or traded six babies in 2014. I didn't produce any more of those until this year, specifically because I didn't want to flood a market with them. Mm-hmm. And this year I produced um, 6.8. I'm keeping two of the females back and then I've got six pairs to sell. Two of them have already sold. But they're only going, you know, I'm only selling this for 20, 2,500 bucks a pair, which is not a lot of money considering what you can make from it. Yeah. And the money that I've been offered on, you know, like that T-positive, if we think about it in terms of what other boas are around, you're seeing these six or seven or $8,000 boas, and there's lots of them about. That boa that Dave produced, the boa that I produced, they're the only ones in the world. What's the true value of that? You know, people will turn around and say, well, that's worth $10,000 or $12,000. I'm not going to try and sell it for that. Right. Yeah. You know, I think that's absurd, right? Why would I sit and wait? Because there's only going to be one buyer in the world that will do that. I've got no no desire to sit on it like that. I'll sell it for a lot less than that if I'm going to. Right. You know, because I I don't want to sit with a you know 30 racks of babies that I'm holding back. You know, yeah, I'll do it with tree boas. and you know Trinidad tree boas and so on and Sanzinia, but I uh, I you know I. I I got very specific projects for my other boas that I like to keep the numbers down. And I still, you know, at, in two years' time or three years' time, when some of the boas that I produced this year are adult, the boas that produce those will be sold because I'll have the visual version. I don't need the hats anymore. Right. And right. I'll reduce. You know, so, I, so while I've got 20 babies that I'm raising up from this year and last year, they will replace 20 babies from, from what I've got in the racks at the moment. Right. Um, and they'll get sold on to other people. So it's, um, you know, I'm not kind of just slowly amassing this army of boas. I'm, I'm trying to reduce <laughs> it and 
I'm doing my and, and realistically, I'm sitting thinking, you know, what projects do I truly want to keep working with, and and uh, and which ones I'm happy to move on. So, I, I, I do think about that a lot, and and it's difficult, you know, whenever you go through all these bows and think, but you know, I produced this one specifically to do that, and nobody else has got them, you know, okay. well, why would you sell them at that point? But, uh, you know, over the next few years, there, there will be some animals move out, and the, the people that get them will be able to make really cool bows from them, or they'll be able to get an adult double or triple hat and then a visual male to go with it. Which know, is awesome. Them, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. What's, what was the other one that you said was your favorite from the seasons beside the, uh, the one we were just talking about? Uh, there were three that I really liked. Uh, the, this kind of has the like peppering. Hypo. It's like kind of peppering. Yeah. So that, that's a sibling to the, to the hypo leopard. Oh. oh, okay. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a T positive head leopard. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's really peppered and, and, and it just shed again last night and there's even more peppering coming onto that there. Oh, oh wow. that's it's cool. It's a cool baby. It's really light. Um, so I like that. And it's a female, so of course it's going nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> no, it did. no, this, this, always yeah, keep girls. Yeah. yeah. Always keep girls. Yeah, so, but it's, it's, again, it's a beautiful little boa. It, you know, that was, one of that litter of six or seven that, that had that really cool hypo leopard T positive. You know, whenever I pulled that drawer open, I saw that and I saw this one and I saw a couple of hypos. And yeah, there was not a, not a baby in that litter that was normal. You know, it was, it was really fantastic. But even from that, I'll hold back two of them, maybe three of them, and I'll sell, I'll sell the rest or I'll give some away or whatever, you know. Right. Uh, I've got projects lined up for them. But those, those two were, I'm really pleased with. Um, the other one, and the other ones that I'm really pleased with were um, the Central American Motley uh, mm-hmm. Costa Rican Tea Positive. Uh, I produced three of those, two males and a female. So I'm keeping a pair, and I just traded, or I'm trading uh, the male with my, my buddy Dave, who produced some really cool Honduran uh, boas that uh, we're going to do a trade for. So he's going to get that. Um, so those... I can make I really trading. cool things from. <laughs> yeah, trading you know, over over buying. I love trading. Yeah, I will trade four not, snakes for I'm, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know these these, these bows that I'm trading Dave are worth like five thousand dollars if we put it in like that magical snake money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> magical like snake money. I am not buying a bloody snake. Right. right. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. It's no four decision or something like that. I'm not buying a snake. Right. And even then, I'm not doing that. Um, I'll put it off my truck or whatever. But, but trading? Oh yeah, I've got no problem oh, with yeah. that. You know, what, what, just what, five snakes. grand? Yeah, sure. What have you got? Five grand? Yeah, cool. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> and it all that magical money floats around, and we all think we've got these really expensive collections. But if we tried to sell it, take forever. You know, how much are we truly going to get for that? Uh-huh. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So uh, yeah, trading. I, I do like trading in that sense. Um, um, sadly, of course, what it means is that. I'm getting animals, mm-hmm. selling animals, so you know, yeah. I'm that that problem. But these are nice animals that I'm getting. Uh, but those are, you know, I was really pleased with that that group. And then I also produced um, another litter where it's the only ones in the world, uh, and they are double head for um, Costa Rican tea positive, but also black eyed anarthristic, which is a Nicaraguan trait, um, an anarthristic, but they have jet black eyes, and they seem to do really cool things whenever they're bred into albino lines. So. Um, there obviously has never been any uh, black-eyed anarchistic Costa Rican heat positive, so they'd be like a snow-type animal. But the, the colors, I, I can't even imagine what they might be, maybe more purple or lilac or 
lavender, I'm not sure. Um, but I produced um, one baby, or sorry, um, one litter a couple of years ago, two years ago, and I kept all of those back, mm-hmm. very small litter. And then I produced a litter this year, and I'm keeping, I produced um, 2.6 this year, and I'm, I've got, uh, no, 2.4, and I've got somebody that wants to buy 1.3 of them, actually oh, buy wow. them, which is remarkable, and yeah. I'm going to keep 1.3, uh, 1.2. So again, they're ones that I'll raise up, and, uh, you know, and again, I'm keeping two females because, you know, again, it's what's the likelihood of hitting that double combo in a snake that's got a small litter. Um, so right. I'll, I'll hold those back, and you know, again, they don't take much to to keep them and to feed them. So, so they were they were all really, really good litters that I had this year. I had another Costa Rican tea positive litter. Um, so I, I had, um, I, you know, I really focus on the cost uh, the Costa Rican tea positive stuff. Um, it's it's a project that I've really uh, enjoyed, kind of bringing to the market. Not a lot of people have them. Um, and then this time, my projects all for next year are all going to be pretty much based around Sonoran boas. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, producing some anatheristics and and combos from those, and maybe one or two uh, Costa Rican kind of things bred into them, but I'm not really sure. It's it's, it's not going to be as crazy as it was this year. There's not going to be six meters of bows. I hope. Give yourself a bit of a break, you know, just like you yeah. know, yeah. So I, I, you know, I remember I heard Eric a couple of years ago. You had that break if you had no 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 litters or no clutches in a year. Yes, you did nothing. And yeah, you know, I think what that does is it makes you excited about the next year because there's not been a point in the last 23 years that I have not produced a litter of boas, at least one. Right. And I'm kind of like at a point where I'm now like, well, I'd be happy to sit back and be able to go on vacation and not think about what's going to be born well, what is, away. <laughs> yeah. But also to spend time and raise up animals a little bit more and not be stressed about. You know, I don't care about hitting world's firsts, and I, I'm very happy whenever people that I sell animals to produce world's firsts from them. Mm-hmm. You know, that makes me really happy to think that I was able to help assist that. Um, so I don't need to be the person that makes the first from that, you know, from that lineage. Um, I'm more than happy to sit back and, and raise them up, you know. So with my Sanzinia and my Corallus, you know, I'm really happy just to sit back, and whenever they're ready, they're ready to go. If it takes another year, it takes another year. So. Do you find that some people are, like, absolutely obsessed with being the person that has the world's first thing kind of come out there? Like, I, I kind of see it with retics a lot, where it's like yeah. people are obsessed with it. Yeah, retics kind of took over from ball pythons, right, you know? And, yeah. Yes. And I think it was just the fact that they're so easy to breed. Um, I think that's what oh, happened. You know, that any, anybody, could, anybody could breach the world's first, so you're finding these really amateur keepers that have, you know, the first thing they do whenever they get their ball python is they set up their reptile business on Facebook. So they're a legit business at this point, you know. Uh, um, that, that first animal, that, you know, because it's got so many genes combined with it, they don't even know what it is anyway. Um, yes. I, I think they really love it. You know, the fact that you've got these websites that, you know, show all of these different morphs and you just get bored within five minutes of looking at them. Mm-hmm. I think people still do like that. With boas, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. That I, for me, it, it's not a big deal. It's nice to produce them and say, wow, nobody else has seen this before I did. Right. And nobody else has this. That's kind of cool. Um, that is cool. But, you know, it, for me, it's just I, if somebody else produces it and I see it and I like it, that's great because then it means that if I don't like it, I'm not going to produce it. <laughs> I know what's tearing you up. Oh, scrap that project. Don't want to be that, that thing sucks. Like, <laughs> right. You've waited five years to raise these animals up, and then you breed them, and you're like, 
Oh, oh, well, that was <laughs> big chicken in the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> that, would, that would really suck. <laughs> it's, like, oh, it's ugly. It's like, yeah, it's like, oh. <laughs> I'm just happy that the stuff that I produced has been nice looking so far. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been utterly disappointed yet. <laughs> That's awesome. That'd be my luck. You know, it'd be yeah. ugly or I'd come, like, you'd come home from vacation. Like, I'd open the drawer just to see the pink thing goes down the mother's throat. And be like, no! Like, yeah, no, like, no it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I fear that with tree boas because, as I say, I've watched, mm. I've watched female Amazon tree boas eating um, stillborn offspring. At least they've looked stillborn when they're eating them. <laughs> um, and it's in, like eating infertile ova. But, yeah. yeah, that would be a catastrophic event. Or, you know, I say that I've never had a problem where I've, had a female like lie on top of a baby and kill it, you know, that would be the one. It's always mm-hmm. the way, right? You know, you, we see it ourselves, you know, whenever you produce that multiple combination animal and it's the weakest, rondy little thing. Yeah, in the it's collection. the bitch that gets feeding. You can yep. to keep that thing alive, yep. you know? Whereas normally, if it was a regular, normal-looking baby, you're like, eh, where's the king snake, you know? And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. God. Yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know. That's it I, is what it is, but it's just, and, you know, they're, they're, at least they're, so far, they've been pretty good looking, and they, they don't stop me wanting to produce more of them. That's good. What's the, what's the boa with the, I don't know how, it's, it's almost like it has like a pink tail almost. What, what, what is going on there? It, I, um, with a pink tail? I could, it kind of looks pink to me, but, you know, I'm a carpet python guy, so. I'll oh, send God. it over. Where? To, I got it off your Facebook page. But I'm, yeah, I'm gonna send it a picture over to you so you can see what I'm talking okay. about. Okay, I mean, yeah. embarrassing me in front of Warren. You know, find it. Is there a date associated with it, or is it in one of the photos thing? Yeah. All right, that's a Costa Rican tea positive. Holy oh shit! I produced that snake in uh, 2014. Uh, 2014. That's so and it's weird so if you go onto my, if you, Yeah, If you go onto my page right. and you scroll to the very top of the page, the cover picture, that's her mother. Jesus. So they're really highly variable. And um, that, that is related to the, to the T-positive leopards that I produced. That's a really cool animal. They vary a lot. And like many boas and pythons, they change color from night to day. So they become really light. So really? that, that animal becomes really milky white uh, at night, and 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 whenever they fed as well. Now, it, it what's really weird is that I really don't see these kinds of things at reptile shows. Like I, I yeah, the the most I'll ever see at a reptile show is, you know, maybe some locality boas, but a lot of the same boa. Like it, it's like you don't ever see this kind of. Project right. stuff at some of these reptile shows. I mean, is that is that kind of getting drowned away, or is it just no, because I, you don't do shows? So, I, well, I don't do shows, and I don't right. I don't overproduce that. True, and also good. Up, and, you know, they produce small litters, so they go to very select people. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, and for a long time, if you look back on my Facebook page, I have large periods of time where I didn't update it. You know, and hmm. I just, you know, I got I got really bored of the whole Facebook thing. I still am really bored of the Facebook thing. I, I recognize the importance of that and Instagram sure. and generating some kind of hype about animals and, and some kind of market. But, you know, whenever you, I kept getting added to all of these boa groups and stuff like that. And, and it's just, <laughs> you know what it's like. It's, yeah. 
Yeah. You know, it's that little that little kid in his basement in his underpants that you know has <laughs> kept his corn snake, and now he's got his business, and right. he's telling me what what things are. You know, it's like I was. I just got ver- I got bored of that, you know, right. and I and I and I withdrew. There was one period in time where I just I I took myself off every Facebook group that I had added myself to or been added to. Right. Mm-hmm. And I felt my blood pressure drop dramatically. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> and, you know, and when it comes to reptile shows, I um so so those boa pictures. Every so often, I'll post them on some of these groups. Yeah. Um, but those groups I don't follow, so I don't see the stuff that's posted every day. That's this one that I'll go on to. I'll post the picture and I'll disappear again. Right. Um, <laughs> when it comes to reptile shows, I love going to reptile shows, but I, I love going to, to specific reptile shows. Uh-huh. I don't like going to the local shows here in Tulsa. Um, okay. It's just I don't think they're interesting in any way. Um, it's the same same kind of animals that I'm not interested in. I'm not interested in ball pythons that much anymore anyway. Right. The shows that I really like going to are uh, Daytona, the times that I've done that. That's been a lot of fun because there's been some diversity of animals. Right. I really enjoy going to Arlington and Tinley because for two reasons. One is I get to see a lot of friends. Um, the show organizer, Bob Ashley, is a good friend of mine, so I get to see Bob and Sherry a lot. Um, and I just get to walk around, you right. know, so I, I don't want to be stuck behind. Okay. Think, you know, it's great whenever you go and you can, you're able to sell and people, you know, We'll come and chat to you about this and that, but I I would rather walk around and see stuff and talk to people and than than to be, you know, kind of moving animals around and sitting behind a booth for two days. Yeah, it's just not, you know, I I sit at my desk for a ridiculous amount of time every day and every night. You know, I I just want to get up and walk around a bit. You know, and right. people, as I, say, I don't advertise these a lot. People come to me about them, um. So you'll find people that that will get them and and raise them up slowly. So I've got some friends that I've sold to that within a year are going to produce some incredible kind of world's first animals. Um, and they're, they're just off the radar. And whenever they, they produce those, they're going to be on the radar probably in a big way. So it's funny, you know, like these Costa Rican bows have become so popular. Um, mm-hmm. I got into them uh, 13 or 14 years ago. Right. Uh, and I just raised them up slowly. And I produced these double hats and triple hats and raised them up slowly and quietly. And I produced a litter here and there and sold some or traded some. Um, but uh, I I had three Costa Rican T-positive males that uh, left last week from, I think, six that I had produced this year. And the two females sold almost instantly as well. So I, I had them and, and um, I contacted the guy about some hognose snakes. I really like Western hognose snakes. They're the first okay. snake I ever produced. They're a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I contacted a reader by getting some super anacondas and exampics and arctics and stuff like that. And we, we put together a deal for these four animals. And he was going to get um, a, a T-positive Costa Rican and a, a, it was a motley um, het uh, Costa Rican tea. And uh, I said, look, here's the three males. So let me know which one you want. Mm-hmm. It's the only female motley, so that's set aside. But let me know which male you want. And that was maybe last Friday or Saturday, um, uh, on Monday, Monday morning, somebody called me up and said, I want to buy a Costa Rican T-positive, and they bought one there and then. So I then contacted the guy and said, these two are left. And he's like, oh, but I wanted to buy that one. Well, or I wanted that other up. one. I said, well, we're done. You know, I yeah. told you a couple of days ago. <laughs> and then I said, and by the way, another person has hit me up, and they're interested in one, so make Ooh, your decision fast. <laughs> you want these here. And within 15 minutes... That other person said, I want this one. So I said, right, the last one that's left is this male, too. Do you want it or not? And he goes, all right, well, let's call off that deal. It's not the male that I wanted. 
And here's the other thing with these Costa Rican tea positive boas, they mm. they they increase in quality, as, especially within the first two years. Yeah. They look often look like nothing within the first couple of months, and right. they start changing dramatically. They lighten up a lot. The colors really pop. Uh, they're not they're the opposite of ball pythons. You know, the ball pythons are produced really nicely, and then they turn to shit within six weeks. Right. Um, <laughs> boas are, boas are, these boas are very so that that's what brings them in line. Very similar to copper pythons. Right. You know, like a good jungle carpet, like you don't crap. have to be a yeah. big jungle but whenever, within its first year, right? right. You know, right. it's going to be after that, you really see the colors starting to develop. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, that's another reason I often just sit on them a little bit to see what's going to develop. Um, if I want to hold things back, you know, what am, I, you know what, what am I going to hold back? I don't want to sell that animal that turned out to be this ridiculous. And I did that stupidly this year. I, I have an animal that I produced last year, and, uh, and a guy contacted me about it, and I said, it's not for sale, and he's like, well, tell me your not for sale value, and I put this absurd value on it, and he goes, "All right." And Damn it! He said, "I'll <laughs> shit." Damn it! No, <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. That backfired, yeah. right? But, yeah, yeah, shit. hideous, hideous way. So, uh, hmm. yeah, you know, I, I regret that. But then I think, you know, I've got the animals that produced it. I can make another one, right? right? So. Yeah, it is what it is. But they, you know, they're cool boys, and they they develop. So I. Yeah, you know, I, I just don't put myself out there much. You know, I'm a hobbyist breeder. I don't consider myself anybody, so it's just all for fun. And uh, I, I let good animals go to really good friends, and they produce some great stuff from it. Right. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So is the uh, backtracking, because, again, as I'm flipping through, um, the, the the one that you had that's uh, Costa Rican T-plus, the black bow, is that the one you were talking about with the black eyes? Is that? No. No, no, no that's uh, that something one different. The black okay. bow is a Costa Rican, uh, that's a, a pure Costa Rican lineage that is very similar to the leopard boa, but it's a, Costa, but it's a, a mutation in, in the Costa, Rica, uh, Costa Rican lineage. You actually breed that into a leopard boa and you'll produce leopard, black boa type similar animals. Really? That's so it's cool. just the same mutation. They're just locality pure versions. They're of the same mutation. Wow. Um, the, the, the black eyed anarchistic, let me see if I can, yeah, here we go. I'll, I'll send you a picture uh, through. I've got it uh, of one breeding. Actually, that picture of that that um, Costa Rican tea positive that you sent through to me there, I will send you a picture back of that being bred by um, a black-eyed anatristic. Oh, okay. Cool. See what that's, and it's... Um, actually, you should have got it there. So it's a real, Whoa. you know, it's an anatristic. Yeah. The, the color difference is insane. Yeah, I went to see this picture I'll send to you. If people are not listening to it, going, what the hell are they sending? No, no, forget those people. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Oh, wow, man. That's like night and day. Yeah. Yeah. So now I have double hats of those. So that's, I'm really excited. And through, well, it should be about two years' time I start producing from those. Um, And we we were talking about the breeding aspect, tail wrapping and so on. Let me send you a picture of that. (laughs) He does look really tiny. these real curves Pictures, you know, with, <laughs> you know, they really they wrap around. Yep, yep, you know? just like that. Uses his entire body. Yeah, yeah. So, what the hell would those yeah, they, babies look like? Like, I mean, you said you're producing double heads. What would the visuals? I mean, yeah, I've got no idea. Damn. Yeah, I've got. You know, I'm pretty excited about that. That's a good um, one. Yeah. Yeah, let me. I'm going to send you a picture here, and it's the one that I shouldn't have sold. <laughs> uh, I, will, I will also add the value that I sold it for. Okay. So, um, is it like uh, we we keep the we keep this picture on our wall just so we can 
complete. What the hell? <laughs> oh, wow, man. Holy that is shit. crazy looking. Yeah. That's, you know, whenever you hear that story of the one that you regret. Oh, I have a few that, of them. Oh, yes. It <laughs> feels like a flick in the nuts every time I look at those pictures. Oh. And the funny thing is, it's still here. It's about to get shipped next week. Oh, and I keep sending the guy other pictures of other animals, and I'm like, are you sure you wouldn't want this one? <laughs> <laughs> goes, I want the best. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I know. I know. That happens with Nick sometimes, right? I, I Sometimes I'm wondering, is he trying to get me to change my mind here because this one is better, or it. is he really looking out for my interest? And I'm like... No, he's yeah. probably no, like, damn, I don't want to sell this one. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. What happens is that while you picked out that animal, Eric, like while it was with him, it shed. And then he's like, damn it, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've done that a million times, you know. Yeah. I- I'm sitting so on the. This picture talking about the color change. So yeah. that's the picture you originally sent me and asked me what it was. That's the picture of it at night. Holy hell. What Thanks. the hell? Wait. Yeah. So you see the color difference? Wow, it's, it's dramatic, you know. Like these are, these are really cool. Oh, you know, God damn it, man! No, I don't need boas. No, yeah, I don't. I tell you what. Oh, no, God dude. damn it! No. You want some it. more Darwin carpets? Yeah, Jesus Christ! <laughs> what are you So, <laughs> you know, I think I'm, I'm enticing Nick to the dark side as well. Oh dear, oh dear, oh wow! Yeah, phenomenal. You know, it's uh, they're just they're so much fun for me to. The, the keep and, and breed, you know, and uh, as a geneticist, you know, it's, it's just fun. a variety is, is yeah. yeah, here, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you one more picture, yeah. you know, and it's, this is the parents of that boa, and it shows you the size dimorphism as well, so we're the male and the female. We're going to have to make sure we oh, do well, a, yeah, a we can show post. In the, the chat. Yeah. No, we'll, we'll, we'll throw up a, a post in the chat, and then we have to, we really suck at this, but we're supposed to put pictures that people send us for, like, other people when they're listening to the podcast later to go check out and well we suck at that yeah well now that we're doing it uh doing it this way we can uh post it up as a blog on our website so people can check adorable that you think we're gonna do that but all right anyway you won't but i will (laughs) clearly you're not well i mean if i had the passwords i could wreak all kind of havoc so holy shit man that's like yeah, that's that like how nuts. I breed carpet pythons. That tiny little male <laughs> yeah. and that big-ass female. Oh look, he, his, oh. Egg, his egg tooth is still attached. Look at him, a cute little guy. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! That's Ouch! It, you know, and, uh, yeah. And it's yeah. If you go through those pictures, there's a lot of like you know. I try to take pictures whenever they're giving birth, when they're ovulating. Right. You know, I yeah. just, I suppose I have used that enough. Thinking about it, there's a there's a bunch of of boa litters and stuff like that, the good and the bad. Of um yeah, I've, I've produced a lot of, thinking about it, I've produced a ton of litters over the, the last 20-something years. So um, yeah, there's enough pictures on there to keep people occupied. Now, one, <laughs> of the, one of the ones, and I don't really know that much about it, but one of the ones that I was always uh, blown away by, and this goes back to reptile radio days, is was the Roswell boa. Do you work with that at all, or is that? I don't. Um, and, and, and I remember that being produced so these it's interesting because that's a that's a boa constrictor trait so it's a south american boa trait that was then bred into um uh, the colombian boas uh, the boa imperator and then from there they produced um the roswell or the, the super roswell so it's an incomplete dominant trait so it has that ladder tail type effect and the connecting saddles and then whenever they're bred together they produce the striped boa almost okay. and the head you know they lose the striping in the head and stuff but 
The yeah, that that picture you just Whoa. sent through. Yeah. So that so the problem with those is that you know how long ago was that produced? I'm thinking maybe ten years ago. Yeah. Something um, like that. And we can there, there's a picture floating around of, of an actual pure um, and there are and they have produced in the last few years pure boa constrictor versions of that. Really. In in all of the years that they've been produced, how many of those adults are you seeing on the on the market? None. How many is... adult raw, super Roswell boas are you? This is the first time I'm ever hearing of their existence, so there you go. I, there's that. I think, I think, I don't know what it was early on. I think the ones that were produced very early on, I think they were, you know, they were born, they had really big bellies, so still full of yolk. Oh. The first thing the person did was they put them out on their back step and they're taking pictures every 14 seconds and and the animals just never seem to thrive. And I, and I talk to people that have... Uh, Roswells and they're breeding them, mm-hmm. and they tell me they've got these, these pure, you know, the super animals. But I never see pictures of the adult supers. Right. I think they're fantastic, and if I could see pictures of adult supers that are healthy, I would get into that project and I would breed it into the Costa Rican T positive thing. So I think that is a Costa Rican T positive would look out of this world. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I'm just not seeing them around, and, and as a result, I don't want to invest time into a project. That will right. then result in me not being able to sell the animals down the line. You know, it, the same thing happened. Look at the, at the motley boas, right? Sure. So I don't know if, you, yeah. if you're familiar with motley. But yep. Super motley is not a viable animal. Right. And right. yet for years that was pushed as being a viable animal. Right. And, and you know, not put people off. That, you know, that's the kind of thing that crashes markets. And I've got no desire to do that kind of thing. Right. You know, so it's, um, I think they're, but I, I think they're beautiful. It's the same with Aztecs, super Aztec. Right. You, know, you don't see a lot of adult super Aztecs because they got issues. I just got Aztec boas this year because I, I really like them and I'm going to breed them into certain things. But I don't. I've got no interest in producing super Aztecs from it. You know, so it's um, I've got it for certain certain projects, but not the take to the to the homozygous form. Now, you know, there's plenty of other boas that I can play with that. You know, I don't need to go there. Did it take time? Like, did it? Did were people just not believing that Super Motley was? A dead gene, or was it just like people were kind of keeping it hush hush that it wasn't working? I think part. I think both. I think Jesus. Um, you know, I think it was kind of kept hush hush that the that the supers were not uh, were not long term viable, and mm. then people would say, but if you breed the Central American motley into the Colombian motley, the babies are much better. Ninety nine times out of a hundred, they're still pieces of crap. <laughs> and I've had um, I've had super motleys that were given to me, and uh-huh. you know, they look like. They're just junk, you know, and, and in the end, I euthanized them because I did king not snake. want to raise the things up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't have a king snake then, but <laughs> if I did. They were right there. That's Very well. Right. It's, it's almost <laughs> like you get a... a taste specifically for super motleys if I did that. You know? yeah. <laughs> to get a cut yeah. through the bullshit. It's like, this is like, it's like how Eric and I had to deal with the... Uh, if you breed a jungle to a jag, you will cut down on the Nero and you can get possible living leucistics. And then yeah, I right think that was a great idea. It was <laughs> a fantastic was a, plan. Yeah. yeah. But that's, yeah, I, I, I am not really aware of any real projects where that's been successful. No. You know, where they've been able to uncouple a neurological or physiological uh, problem from a trait. Some of them are just linked to it because mm-hmm. they are linked to it as a result of whatever that trait is, that reduction in a certain protein being produced or the absence of a certain protein or the overexpression of a certain protein. It just results in a, in a physiological abnormality and you can't uncouple that from it. So people will try their best and it's not going to happen. You'll never not get 
um, a neurological issue with with uh, Jaguar carpets. You'll mm -hmm. never not get a neurological issue with um, with spider balls, no matter what way you breed. I mean, you produce some that don't have it, but that is not saying that down the line that their, their babies are not going to have it. Right. You know, it's very likely right. that they will. Um, and it's great as people think that it's that it's just a matter of outbreeding. You know, no. no. <laughs> I'm a geneticist, and I can tell you, <laughs> I have not seen that happen. And right. He doesn't you know, just. I think the people that are convinced that that it will happen are those that so desperately want that trait, right? Are those right. that have the trait and so desperately want to sell that trait, right? Yeah. You know, you look at the, the scale of ball pythons. Oh uh, yes, <laughs> money that they sold for, and now you're seeing people producing them. Right, yeah. and you get this, you know, weird little. I hate it. You know, <laughs> animal produced. They've got a very interesting look, but the fact that they're needing to. I was watching a video of one a couple of days ago, and how they need to be a cyst shed because the shed rolls back oh, so tight. Oh hell! <laughs> right, and then how you need to put this balm on it every day, you know, to keep it smooth. And I'm like, this is not a leather sofa. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't need to be doing this, you know. And if anything, it's reminiscent for me of, you know, the you know dog breeds that are just becoming so highly inbred, yes. and with traits that are so overly expressed that you know they can't give birth naturally Their themselves. Fall out. When you get yeah. to that point, yeah, when you get to that point, I've got no desire for it. So it's kind of funny. So if you look on my, uh, on my, on my page, uh, I produced a little blood billow this year, and it's got a scaleless patch on its nose. Oh, I God. saw that. Yeah. I, oh God. I, <laughs> I'm keeping that just for fun, and I will breed it. And if it produces scaleless babies, well, they're, they're going to go. They'll, they will be king snake food. <laughs> Do you know how many people have hit me up asking me to sell that animal to them? No. Really? I have been hit up by at least 15 people that want to buy that animal. What is the why? desire for that? I don't. Why I don't is get this, it? Why is scaleless a thing? Like, why do you want that? I mean, it, they're so gross. This, this flaccid little wrinkly little yeah you know, it's, not, it's not for me you know and and I can you know again some people I don't know whether it's, they become so heavily invested in it that they yes. need to yeah. convince themselves that they love it sure um, I don't get anything from it you know I like the great thing about keeping snakes for me is that you can you can feed them you can look at them every day if you want but if you go away for three weeks as long They'll as you got fresh water they're good. If you got it, if you got, if I had thirty scale of boas, I need you to come over and shed my snakes while I'm gone. You know, he's gonna rub it down. Hey, I need away. you to rub lotion on my you snakes. Know, put the gone. lotion in the yeah, basket and the it doesn't. They come with a year supply of bomb to keep it going. <laughs> Oh, honey, I know. It's, it's, honey it's, we have to bring no. the scalers with us on vacation. I have to load yeah, right. it properly. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, man. Don't worry about it. Like I, I saw, you know, if you search, oh. um, like there's the scaleless Burmese python. I think we've, I've talked about it on this oh. show before. There's the scaleless Burmese. Yep. And it looks like, um, you Shit. know, that that sofa from the 1970s that your grandmother has it's got all the <laughs> like, wrinkles in it, the lines and the cracking and the and it doesn't look good. It feels great. It looks like, it, <laughs> yes, I know exactly like what that. you're talking and about. I'm like, Why do you want it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so delicate that you know, no, no. Uh, you want to have something that's really delicate that you're going to be scared about every day. Have children. Just do that right. <laughs> you know, have, have a, actual children. Have a baby. <laughs> 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 
Oh my god. You know, they're gonna be rubbing balm on you in thirty years time before you not the other way around. Here, Dad, just to make sure you shed properly. Thank you. It's, you know, it's oh god. Well, it's like what was it? Uh the albino scaleless alligator. I'm like, congratulations, it can no longer be an alligator. <laughs> it's scaleless alligator? Yeah. Oh, it, yeah, it was a pied. It was a pied. I don't oh, think right, right. I've seen yeah. one picture of this thing. And then never seen it since. I'm sure it's dead. <laughs> like, like the albino, the albino alligators that I think they're stunning. And if they again, if they're kept right, I think they're beautiful. You know, and um, but whenever, whenever it's such a, whenever it's a trait that actually is physiologically detrimental, yeah, um, then there's an issue. Like albino is an issue. You know, the nice thing about the snakes that we keep, we often keep them in these little dark boxes or, or in in dim light, so that the light issue is not an issue. Right, they're not being blinded mm-hmm. by UV light. Sure, and um, you know because of heat sensing abilities, they don't need to, you know, to have a, a great visual perception of what's going on to be able to catch their food. But if you've got something that needs to have high light and so on, then albino is not a good trait to be propagating. Yeah, sure. Al- albino monitors have tons of issues, and same thing yeah. with albino gators. It's it's one of those things right. where it's where do you, as a keeper, draw the line? To this trait is too far. Some people now, draw I it. I can tell you this, Owen. I, I know this for a fact that yeah. um, next year, whenever you breed your rough scales and you produce that albino scaleless. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I do. Oh, man. Like, no, I'm, you're going to be breeding that back to everything you can. First one's going to be on the market for $125,000. You know, well, and then Owen the Morph Man. Uh, you know, well, see, that's that's the thing where it'd be like scale is rough to, scale. How about that? Oh uh, God, it would just mean it would be. Like, you took away smooth, the coolest thing about the snake. You know, I've I mean? created <laughs> I've created the smooth rough scale. Congratulations, you created a great trait. It's like uh, finding that ad on King Snake that I posted up in the chat last that week. That my soul. Yeah, hurt I did that my just soul. For you. Just for me. <laughs> yep. Great. Uh, Thank you. I could I could almost see. I was like, you know, I think Owen's a pretty young guy, but I wonder what his blood pressure is right now. (laughs) (laughs) I could see like a twinge probably happening in the eyeball. And (laughs) this is that every once in a while, Warren, you you start right when I'm like sitting down at my desk with my morning coffee. So every once in a while, I'm just like, God damn it. Like, you know, like I have to put my coffee over here or I'm going to start throwing things like, yeah, it's Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, the funny thing is that animal I looked at it and I thought, is that a rough scale? That's what I thought. That's too. what I thought. Very dark, roughy. And I'm like, that's kind of neat. Then I'm like, no. <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> that was no, scary, God. man. You know, yeah. like, I've got no issues with hybridization. Like, there was, you know, you might have seen the pictures in the past of the hybrid Amazon emerald tree boas. Right. <laughs> Those things are beautiful. Right. But physiologically, they're useless, right? <laughs> they don't do well and they die. Right. Yeah. So, you know, why do it? But, you know, if, if they produced and they were they were viable, shit, I would be doing that. I would have I would have Amazons and Emeralds paired up right now to produce those things for my own pleasure, right. visual it's, viewing pleasure. It, it, for, uh, me, for me, the mix has to yield something that's cool or is different enough. Like, Maclots and Carpet Python look like ugly Carpet Pythons. Why do this? Right. This is stupid. But like, yeah, it's like what we were talking retics, you get bad eaters. Those kind of look cool. Yeah. So, yeah. When Uh I was when we were talking at the beginning of the show, you know, when we were recording that spot, we were talking about, um, you know, the albino bread lie. 
And yeah, they're beautiful. God, yeah, they're man, really beautiful. that would be a line that I didn't cross. But when I saw that, I was like, "Whoa, that result! I don't know, man. That's I'm, a really cool I'm looking snake." <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, Eric, cross the line, yeah. do it. <laughs> but it's doing it to the point where you know, if I was doing that kind of thing, you know, I would produce a pair mm. um, or two to breed back to each other, and the yeah. rest of that clutch, they would be the rest of the babies would be meeting a king snake. Blackhead food. You know, so yep. I would yep. be doing it just to, I wouldn't be releasing those oh, hell no. to the public. No. I would be doing it. And people would be disgusted at the whole idea of that, but I would be very specific about the way I'm doing it. You know, we, we talked earlier on, right? We've got these with boas. There's different localities and different species, and I'm happy to cross them. Mm-hmm. And I'm also happy to keep them pure as long as they're sold and they're, they're represented as exactly what they are. I've got right. no problems with hybridization if it's done right. Like, it is funny. I went onto one of these hybrid forums on Facebook um, today, snake hybrid forums, and there were some really interesting crosses, some yeah. really, really interesting crosses. But then the babies that were produced from it, they, they were so – I didn't know what they were. Was it a carpet? Was it a – Angolan was it a you know it just it yeah that's when everything started getting problematic right um, and then there were, there were the crosses like the short tails you know breeding a a Bretonsteinii to a to a Curtis you know and the the offspring look kind of muddy but you don't know what it is right you know I, I'm not really big into that kind of thing you know it's um it, again it's a line that I don't want to cross but I did I did joke with um with Ryan uh, Young last night. Or two nights ago, he was saying that he really wanted this this emerald male that I've got, this um, Rico Waller male. And I said, you know, I don't have a female to breed it to right now, but I might breed it to a big Corrales Rischenberger right Oh, God. Like, <laughs> Dear Lord. <laughs> he probably died. Yeah, I could you, hear him you, you killed from him. Portland. <laughs> yeah. You killed Ryan Young, you bastard. And it's like, you know, it's... Uh, uh, that's funny. Male, yeah. I would mind some guns, Python. So come on. Can we yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah. Here's the deal. Yeah. Here's the deal. If those pythons were fucking everywhere, would you want them? Yes, because I need. No, you wouldn't. No, no you wouldn't. I, no, I do. I do. Because they're, no, they're on my list of things in liasis, and I need to check on that damn box. <laughs> they're on your list to check a box because it's so rare. I remember nah. uh, in 2002, 2001, I turned down the opportunity to buy them fresh imports from Liz Phillips in the UK. It's, and I saw pictures of them, and I was like, they're kind of gross. You know, they're not exciting in any way. But now, because they're so rare, we want to be that person that has them yes. to be able to then say that I had the chance to breed them or whatever. I, I'll right. admit that. Some look like ugly maglots, but then others are yeah. actually like stone grayish, and they're kind of cool looking. So Yeah. You know, and mm. there's some that people think are guns, and they're not guns. I've, I've done some sequencing for people. And sadly, I've been the one to say they're not the Duns pipe. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad that sucks. <laughs> Not any from Nick or, or Ryan or whatever, but it's from other people, and, and you could, you could, you could hear their little hearts breaking. Um, oh God! From across the water, you know. So the joys of genetics and how I can crush people. So it is, <laughs> it's a nice power to have. <laughs> is, that, is, that your, is that like the slogan for your lab? Like crushing dreams, one person <laughs> at a time. Yeah. We can make them and break them. <laughs> Killing you know, herpiculture one dream at a time. One dream at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's you know, I don't know. There's there, there snakes out there that I think we we like because they're rare, and I and I I, I blame this show for some of it, and I think oh, <laughs> you know, it's true. Look at Savi Pipe. 
Yeah. Look yeah. at Savus. Five years ago, you could pick up Savus for a hundred bucks. I know. I saw I saw a picture of Savus um, at Daytona this week for I think there were two year olds for fifteen hundred bucks a trio. Yeah. And then there were silvers. I thought uh, there were silvers for I think seventeen something. I'm like, you gotta yeah. be kidding me. Yeah. 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 That I I I will. I'm going to send in the chat the price that I paid for my Costa Rican T positive trio. Okay. And um, and I will tell you what I sell them for. So this is what I bought them for for the trio. <laughs> and this is what my average seal per animal is. Jesus Christ. Wow. <laughs> so it's whatever market you make it. That is true. I yeah. agree. So, That's what's... I mean, you know, you hear it from many things. You look at ball pythons, the GHI ball python. Matt Lear got for the, the original trio for like 175 bucks or 225 bucks, And he sold them once he started producing them for thousands and thousands of dollars. And he made a vast, vast quantity of money off those animals. And he got them for virtually nothing. And it's, it's purely on how you market it. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, it's sort of like uh, IJs with me. I mean, like I, I would get, I, I, I would venture to say that the reason that they sort of <clears throat> spiked in popularity a little bit is just talking about them every week. Yeah, you know what no, I mean. I, I totally agree. With you. Yeah, I want to buy. I, I think I, I love them, and of course they're not IJs. They're they're uh, West Papua. Oh yeah, get it yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Don't know, you're ruining your <laughs> was, brand here. I was seeing if you're paying attention. You know. I was oh, just, uh, okay. <laughs> One against the bird. So, Strike one. So, yep. Yeah. Wait until I release the genetic results. Oh no. Oh no. Oh. They're all the same as jungles. <laughs> oh. oh. Are they the same as jungles? I would read that on Darwin. Darwin. Yeah, oh my God. I would read that on air and make him eat it. But. Yeah. We'll, but, we'll see. Him. I still. I'm working on a. Stuff for um for Nick's new carpet platform book, so maybe it will be in that. See, you guys don't get it, man. It just that just opened the floodgates to just right, make all the crossings that I do is just legitimate. You know what I mean? Like it's oh, yeah. the same snake. Yeah, man. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. Well, now if you're doing genetic stuff for Nick's book, what if it contradicts all the crap that was in the first book? That's why there's That's a second why. book. That's why. <laughs> Duh. Where's the first volume. book? This one's better. Oh, okay. Yeah. When do you see Pythons of the World, Volume 4? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Tracy Barker at Arlington. And I'm going you know, to be telling her some stuff that I think Dave knows it already, of some of the stuff we're doing. And it's like, huh. So maybe that's going to require a revision of the book, you know. And um, But that's the great thing about genetics. We're finding out new things because we've got these tools that we can we can apply to the animals that we've got and learn some really cool things from them. So here's yeah. a here's a question as far as that goes. Like, I mean, with the advances in technology, are we getting to a point where we're getting closer and closer to it being I don't know if finals the right word, but or maybe correct right anymore. or whatever. I mean, everything yeah. is constantly evolving. I get that, but in our lifetime uh, well, evolution in our lifetime, evolution happens within a generation. Evolution is purely a change in gene frequencies over time within a population. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of evolution of new species, that's not something that we, we observe in real time. Right. But what we will get, you know, what we are doing is actually showing real resolution of the phylogenetic tree. What is a species or what species are related to each, uh, to each other right. and how are they related? The big question that comes from that is, well, what degree, what percentage of relatedness do we then use to then define a species or a subspecies? Right. Um, 
because I can tell you that the degree of genetic relatedness between something like a, a, a tannin bar python to the mainland right. is not very much that we would consider being a species level, you know, and compared to even localities among mainland animals and so on. Huh. So it's, um, I think other things have to come into play. And that's where the real, that's where there's going to be continual evolution Debate. of what's a species and what's not a species. Gotcha. Um, you know, evolutionary rates of different genes and different organisms in different environments with different generation times and so on means that, that it's not a simple, this is a 2% difference or a 4% difference, this is a species. You know, yeah, it's I've, not. I've heard that argument before where, you know, like if you look at us and chimpanzees and then you look at uh, inland carpets and, you know, jungle carpets, uh, you know, this mm-hmm. 5% divergence, but it's yet still a subspecies, and what we're, what, 3% different than chimps or yeah. two or something uh, like that? Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, again, generation time is very different, but I, I think we are going to see some resolution in the whole Python phylogeny um, okay. across the board okay. over the next handful of years. Um, nice. there's a, I know there's multiple different labs working on that, and with BOAs, you know, there's... There's certainly many labs working on it. You know, we're doing stuff with Corallus tree boas here, and um, we might end up collapsing some species. We might end up um, uh, naming new species. Same thing within the Python group. Um, but it's just the ability to to not just rely on one gene on, on the mitochondria. We can actually sequence entire mitochondria, and we can, we can sequence multiple nuclear genes very easily or whole genomes and actually look at relationships that way, which means that the, the results are certainly have much more resolution. It's how we it's how we interpret that. That's where the that's where the really big question comes in. Right. And for me, given that this is not what my lab is based around, you know, my lab is an urban evolution lab. We we use uh, we essentially study evolution in urban species, primarily urban pests, okay. um, urban okay. insects. Uh, the snake stuff has all just been it's just happened as a result of those early parthenogenesis papers that we did in the in two thousand and whatever it was, two thousand and ten. And after that first paper, which was a totally fortuitous event, um, we got bombarded, or I got bombarded with kind of snake-related questions. And um, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and it's great, you know, because it means my undergrads love it. Right. They get to do mm-hmm. a lot of cool things, you know. And, you know, you look at the work on parthenogenesis, and what we know about snake parthenogenesis now is, is oh, one yeah. million times more than what it was sure. 10 years ago. Um and it's just those little small leaps and bounds that kind of take us to where we're going next. We've got some really, really cool stuff that we're working on now in, in relation to that there. But um, so that you know, that's kind of the stuff that I play with. But then the snake phylogeny stuff has just been a you know, Nick called me up and said, "Hey, can you do this?" I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> and then I was like, "Shit, I can't do this. I have to do this." <laughs> and then you find the results. And you're like, "Shit, I'm in this massive big rabbit hole now of right of where do we go?" You know, and um, hunting down samples and stuff like that. And it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. You know, it makes you appreciate. It makes you appreciate what you work with a lot more as well. Yeah. You know, the fact that I could turn around and say with these Costa Rican bows that I've got, the fact that we could actually plug that into the snake phylogeny and show that they matched up with Costa Rican bows, so there was purity to that lineage, and it wasn't just one of these. Oh yeah, these are from, you know, and some, mm. you know, you assume some random importers told you what they are. Sure. You know, we could actually show that they are what they are. You know, that's really that's cool stuff. You know, and. It's interesting, you know, if I look at carpopython lineages, some of these thought to be pure lineages seem to be a little bit more cloudy than they might be, and you mm-hmm. might think they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that doesn't surprise you know, I think me. That, <laughs> no, you yeah. Know, yeah, you think about the importation history of carpets. You know, the fact that people can have 
locality to your carpet still still baffles me. I'm still amazed by that. I know how yeah. someone come out, you know. Right. Um, but um, you know, it's still it's still I find it kind of an amazing thing. I, it's totally fine for Indonesia. You know, we definitely know about all these because we know where they're being exported from. But for you know, for Australia that hasn't exported animals in in decades, you know, it's having that pure lineage dating back, you know, for a long period of time. You know, that's a very unusual thing to have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I think carpets were kind of like uh, chondros back in the day, too. They kind of just lumped them, you know? So it's like, oh, oh yeah. You know, yeah. It's carpet. Well, I mean, what is it? Very good, that's it or... Yeah. I'll just go from there. You even, know, and it's... Uh... Sorry, go ahead. I mean, like, even the HCQ line that I work with, the only reason it's called that is because the box said high-contrast Queensland, and it was just full of carpets. Like, yeah, duh. Yeah. That's how it was. Nobody yeah. knew what the hell they were. So. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's, you know, it's, it makes it difficult like with boas, kind of telling the difference genetically between a Suriname and a Guyana animal. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not much variation there, and realistically, they're side by side, and there's no massive big wall to stop the animals moving across and spreading their genes, you know. So that's just purely named on the, the side of export. Okay. You know, I don't believe much along those lines. They're not species level things, but um, with the carpets, you can definitely see some real variation among. Animals that are considered subspecies that are definitely species level differences. Hmm. <clears throat> is it just because Australia is so, I guess, like, it's so varying when it comes and it's the the natural uh, habitats in Australia can change from one place to the other. It's like jungle, I think desert. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, I think what what would happen is if if you sampled along a climb going mm-hmm. from this jungle to this desert, if those animals were existing in that entire space what you might call a species might be very different. So at yeah. either end of the spectrum, you can certainly see very strong differences. But whenever you get to those zones of integration, you could start questioning, you know, so I, I know that there's been, it's been shown, you know, with, with carpet, with, with um, jungles and stuff like that there, you know, mm-hmm. where they, they are certainly more coastal and so on. Uh, I think in those zones where they overlap, that's where the real question comes in. And that's, a, are they a species or is that a hybrid zone? And, Hybrid zone stuff is really cool. There's a lot of work being done on hybrid zones among many different species. Um, but it's being able to determine what is a hybrid and what is not just natural variation within a species. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see yeah. that a lot. I mean, really cool. We see that with corn snakes here, you know, or rat snakes or yeah. whatever you want to yeah. call it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, we pick the most vibrant or most variable animal, the most distinctive animal from that locality, and that becomes that locality type. Yep. Right. <laughs> they all the look one. nice. Yeah. Whatever. Want. <laughs> yeah. They they go to blackhead or king snake food. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Exactly. That's it. You know, you avoid those kind of, and you keep your pure lines. And it's just like I'm sure if we took pictures of of our of our lineages over the last I don't know 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years, and we traced them from those original animals to what we've got now, you're going to see some similar patterns to what we see with with pedigree dogs, mm. going from you know you're going from animals that are now becoming very, very different than what they first were because of our selective breeding. Right. We, you do it, and I'm sure, I'm sure you do it, and I do it. We pick the best animals that look the best from each litter, and we breed those. Yep. Yeah. The muddy ones. <laughs> we, we get rid of. Yeah. They go to Owen. <laughs> yeah. Hey. 
Steve Muddy's the gene pool. I do. You know. <laughs> the rough scalp rattles Python is gonna be crazy, but, but. <laughs> Yeah, I I I'm I, I got a I got a Burke male that was bred to a rogue female and their eggs are in the incubator. These things are gonna come out with three heads. Like I uh, already know it's bad. Oh, is this the so, bread lie clutch? Yeah, yeah it's bread like three headed. I know a snake breeder who will probably spend money for two-headed or three-headed snakes. Are, are you can make a lot me? of money. There. Hey, oh, yeah, you know? I'm gonna, that's how I'm going to pay off my house. Like, you know, I'm just going <laughs> to do that. I'm going to sell the albino uh, scaleless ruffy, and then I'm good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hey, but you know what? There's there's some crosses that I actually find interesting to go back to this hybrid thing. Okay. There's one that I, I wish we would know more about, and that was the Bowling's carpet cross. Oh, God, the I, yeah. <laughs> now, You think that's a bad thing, but but we know so little about breeding bowling pythons. Right? Yeah. And yet that worked, right? It mm-hmm. produced a really interesting animal. You know, what that shows, is it, it kind of shows us some directionality to breeding. You know, is it the male or the female? Was, was that a male carpet to a female bowling? It, or was it a male bowling? It, it was a male bowling to a female carpet, yep. I believe. Yeah. Right, so that shows because... viability of the males, right? So it's right. allowing us to direct, you know, where could the problems lie in, in our in our breeding of these animals i think that there can be there's definitely viability to do in those kind of things yeah i think tom keogan is the one that did that and that's the reason why he did it you know he did it because he was trying to figure out like oh is this male any good right you know and i get it you know but that would it was a cool looking snake man it was like it was was cool looking you know i mean and it it wasn't going to be sold as a bowling spice it was very different yeah it was you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't mascot as being a bowling but you learn something from it you're able to see that this this male at least that that he, that he used was viable and produced that I, I think it was a healthy clutch i don't know yeah i can't remember how many were in it but it seemed to be a healthy clutch from what i remember it was years ago but yeah. I think that's the weird thing that. is you only see like one so like I, there was like one or two pictures of the colines that bounced yeah. off everywhere and you saw one animal and then I, you've never seen anything else and the same thing's going with this roughy hybrid we see one we well, know yeah, there I, must have been more, do you right? Think, do you think part of that is, though, is that you know that if you put that and post that, like if I posted up that rough scale carpet cross. Oh, I'd come to your house and punch you. Well, people would just I know be where mad. You live. And yeah. people probably well, yeah. don't want to be, they don't want to deal with the bullshit. You know, they have yeah. a bull snake and it's just like, it. you know, I, I, I don't want to hear no it. No one would see it and fall in love with it. Would, oh, yeah, <laughs> you're right. Immediately. It's got bumpy scales. I don't care where it came from. Exactly right. I'm still shocked that you don't have Angolan pythons as a result of those bumpy scales. I know. We, we, I, I have to. I was talking to somebody, and they're like, "Well, you want to get Angolan pythons?" I'm like, "Maybe," but then you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement because I can't let Eric know that I got them. So, yeah, yeah, I can't. Yeah. I, I, I sold mine. Yeah. Kind of regret it, but I, um, I, I got a pair last year in, in a trade, and and. Uh, and I sold them earlier this year just simply because I wanted to get a bigger down payment for my truck. Yeah, and uh, and I sold them within minutes of posting them. <laughs> yeah, so you know, and I do. I regret it. I'm not sure if I regret it because like, they're now much more available. Mm-hmm. You know, I can definitely get another pair if I wanted them. You know, the cool snakes again. They were nasty little bastards. Yeah, they Eric's, bit the shit out of me. Mine's Eric's pretty chill. one is Eric's one. They're pretty chill, but Eric's one. Uh, I think it's the boy. I'm like, yeah, every once in a while, we'll be talking, and we won't realize that the drawer's open, and, like, it just pops up a little bit, like, and it's just like, oh, and you close know, the drawer. that species yeah. in particular, I remember when I was young, going around the reptile show, and they were, like, crazy amount of money, like, crazy. I, I want to say they were close to 10, and I, I, and I'm just like, 
looking at them like, wow, man, these are cool. And I don't know if it was just because, you know, to me, they were unattainable at the time or, or, yeah. you know, or it was the idea that you didn't really I see them. Like, they're really cool. Yeah, but yeah. They're, they're cool snakes. Think, but again, I think, yeah, you, you don't see them. I wonder if they were as common as ball pythons. Would, what would we think? I think we would still like them. I think the scales make them unusual. I think the face is a little bit different yeah. than ball python. They yeah. feed great. Um, Variability of pattern. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I got a friend back in, in Northern <laughs> Ireland that um, that saw them at the Transvaal Snake Park in, in South Africa, and, and he, this was 20, 20 years ago, 20-something years ago, and I remember seeing a picture of it then, and the only other place I'd seen a picture of those was in the um, uh, Ross and Marzac, you know, the reproductive husbandry of pythons and boas. Yep. And that was just like, wow, these things are just immense. And then you saw the price, and you're like, all right, I'll just back away slowly. And I'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. Don't don't look at it. Yeah, that's but, exactly oh, what I did. You know, and, yeah, it, you know, look at the, look at the price of albino carpets a handful, of, and it was only a handful of years ago those things were ten thousand or twenty thousand dollars each. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, so it's uh, it, uh, what was our dream animal can it, it very quickly can become our uh, attained animal. Yeah. You know, did you ever think you were going to have rust scale pythons? No. <laughs> you know, I'm a bunch of clutches of rust scales this year. I saw there was they were being yeah. sold at Daytona. For, you know, I know they were being feet. they were being yeah. sold at Daytona for higher than I expected, which is yeah. an excellent sign. But also is like, well, I think there are about three or four clutches produced in the U.S. this year, so the roughy babies are out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And of course, I already See, have made peace with it. Uh, they're all mine. I don't all think all of mine are mine. <laughs> so. I don't think that people are going to care about them. And about, I think it's going to go the same route as the Excellent. ring python. Okay. Because what's yeah. going to happen is Good. everybody's going to want them. They'll yes. get them. They'll uh-huh. sell them because uh-huh. they don't quite fit into the project or Good. they don't have a morph or whatever you want to say. And right. then. All of a sudden, they'll become rare, and the only people that will wait. have them will be the people that really dig them. And then all of a sudden, yeah. it'll be worth more again. And it just opening will, up another room, just, keep just going. full we have of a, roughies. <laughs> yeah, we have a cyclical. We're in a cyclical hobby. Yeah. yeah. What's really exciting this year is very different than what's going to be really exciting in five years' time. Yeah. Like Mexican black king snakes. They were really exciting. Apparently, values become available in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right. And you know, and. I know there's rumors that they are here, um, and I've spoke to some very well-known people that have told me that they are here. What's here? Um, and I know, and I know that they were in the UK at least 20 years ago. Um, so you said Owen Pelly. Uh, once those things, yeah, Owen Pelly's. Oh yeah, yeah, so yeah once yeah. they available, you know, they, they'll come through Europe and they will end up here. Oh yeah, of course. No you, I mean, know, you know the one that I'm after, though. That better end up oh, here yeah. eventually. Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> I mean, Eric. I'm, I'm, they're they're bound to, they're bound to be in Europe. <clears throat> I, I think imagine. I think they are. Yeah. Wait wait Eric, you wanted imbricata? Oh, I have like four of them. Well, mm. I didn't know why you didn't ask. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one day. One, one day. day. Soon. Yeah, uh, they yeah, and they're beautiful. They are really nice, really yeah. nice car. But every time I see pictures of those, I I like those them and that, the Met Cafe I really like as well. Mm. Yeah. It's in every you know the problem with. Being on that chat is that I see pictures and I'm like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't need this. I, this is the last thing I need, you know. And then I, I look on, you know, Justin Zoolander's website and I'm like, oh, he's got wheat belt Stimpsons. Ooh, they're nice. I'm like, mm-hmm. shit, Warren Commandant, you know. Yeah. We don't need these things. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's today. Michael Pennell posted up Rockhampton Coastals. And I'm like, 
I'm the only one who cares. <laughs> I just I want no. these right now. <laughs> I did too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> me and you, me and you like, Owen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like some of these, like some of these rare tri- or uh, triboas, like Trinidad triboas, I can guarantee that. There's like three people in the U.S. that would wet themselves over them, and that's me, maybe four people. <laughs> and Nick Munt is one of them, you know, and uh, and producing a litter, you know, you'll get a couple of people who want them, and then that's the people who are just like big bitey things. I don't want that. You know? <laughs> it's like scrub pipe. Yes, 100%. You know, they got a limited market, but some of us really, you know, are really attracted to that. Yeah. If, if I breed my waters, no one is going to care. No one is going to care that I bred a brown python. It's like... Absolutely. But it has an orange belly, man. But it has an orange snakes. Belly. No one Beautiful cares. snakes. Years ago, I remember seeing, you know, 20 years ago, 20-something years ago, whenever Paul Harris was breeding primarily green tree pythons, mm. I remember he was breeding water pythons as well. And you just look at them, and you're like, why would you even bother with that? It's a little black, aggressive snake. And then yeah, now, you know, it's... <laughs> They went through that phase, you know. They went really popular again, and then they fade away. Right. So it's um, it's uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting hobby, and I think um, part of it's driven by podcasts and being able to speak about these cool things and really hype them up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of it's you know driven by Facebook and what's cool and stuff like that there. But it is interesting to see where it goes, and therefore how you should theoretically plan what you're doing and what you're breeding and what you're keeping and not overproducing something. Yeah. <clears throat> Or if you're going to overproduce, just burk it. Yep. <laughs> burk it or blackhead it or king snake it. One of the three. <laughs> yeah, it all depends on throwing. If you, the more you throw out in the market, the more you're hurting your own sales. So, yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. You know, and there's, there's so many cool projects that um, the last thing I want to do is overproduce too many of them. But then there's always that. But I've got this female and she's an adult. Should I breed it? And you're like, no, you got to really, you know, I got to really restrain and say, no, it's not in the long term project. What am I going to do with those babies? I'm going to end up wholesaling them or whatever, you know, and I don't see the point in that. Yeah. And that's another reason why I'm not trying to get into all of these different projects. There's some animals, there's there's probably only two or three other animals that I want to get. And I'd like to get some more emerald tree boas because they're just fun to have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get some more green sanzinia because I really like my sanzinia. They're cool snakes. And, um, they're awesome. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. You know, and they're... they're they're an, an, an interesting animal because in the UK and Europe, the green sanzinia are quite common. In the US, they're not. You mm-hmm. know, and uh, we just can't you can't um, export or import between the two, which sucks. Huh. It does suck. Uh, which, uh, I mean, that brought me back to like uh, what we were talking about with the Angolans being rare. Is there some rule or law blocking it? Because you'd think after all the exportation that was coming from Africa of ball pythons, why weren't there more Angolans coming well, in if they were so high? Well, Isn't it because of the zone? area? Yeah, it's a war zone. Yeah, it's a war okay. zone that's laced with landmines. Hey, if you're telling me that I can make how much off Angolans, I will risk it. <laughs> like, yeah. just tell me where to they go. Have, have this little, they have those little rats that are trained. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> they are both detecting landmines and luring the snakes out to you. Hey, it's done. It's so you just gotta get to the snake before it gets to the landmine. Oh, there you one. get that off. I can see oh, Owen strapping a vest to Zero. Here you go, Zero. Do you have go one it, job? <laughs> go get go get the snake. Daddy some get daddy some yeah, bumpy yeah. ball pythons. Yeah. Yeah. There go. But then the other ones are like like Halmahara scrubs. I'm really interested in Halmahara scrubs now. Mm. ridiculously interested um and i think part of it is i'm like i tell you what right you've seen the babies that were produced by oklahoma zoo yes they're not attractive babies no <laughs> no 
<laughs> ugly scrub but, babies. But it's because they're so hard to breathe, <laughs> so elusive. Yeah. Kind of makes me want them. And um, you know, now, it's like it's like bowling pythons. I'm like, I could sell some of these boas for a lot of money, and I could buy a pair of bowlings. And I'm close to. I'm thinking about that. I'm. Uh-oh. At the end, my wife would castrate me. <laughs> Thankfully, you know, I had my two children, and, I, and that can happen. That's fine, good but, now. Okay. You know, it's they spend so much money on these animals whenever the likelihood of breeding them is so slim. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting. Um, it's on a that, fun project. I, Ari asked me to present at the uh, at the bowling symposium next year. Hmm. Uh, at the IHS. Yeah. So that should be fun. I'm not going to be talking about bowling as well. I'll be talking a little bit about bowling genetics, but talking about kind of Python genetics anyway. But that should be Eric, that should be a lot of fun. Eric, you know? we got to go to that thing. I know Ari wanted us to go. I mean, we really got to knock to put that in the book. Yeah. It's in Atlanta. Right? Yeah. yeah I, whenever I lived in Raleigh, um, I used to drive to New York to see bands play and drive straight back again. So for you guys, also driving from from where you are down there, you can do that there in a heartbeat. Drive down. See the symposium, stay in a hotel, drive back. It'll be a blast. Or you can fly. That'll be much easier, I suppose. Flying is fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh... it's like me. I'm, I'm trying to get to one of your carpet fests. I, I wanted to go this year. Yeah. But I was sitting in the Outer Banks, and I thought if I told my wife that I was nipping up there, she would, again, swift kick to the nuts. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of castration going on in your house. It's like it's yeah. <laughs> a typical Irish thing, you know? What do you okay, do? all right, well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's, um, yeah, so, so bowlings are like kind of another one that I would honestly consider. Again, it's just that such that, you know, they're not easy to keep and your likelihood of breeding them is very, very slim. Like I saw today on Facebook, there was two hatched out in Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were talking about them uh, in the pre-show. Yeah. Did you see the pictures of them? Yeah. yeah. They're they're terrible. I was like, put them in some water. Like <laughs> wrinkly bacon. Yeah. I, sent, <laughs> I sent a picture to Keith. I'm like, what's going on here? And he's like, and he just. I drape Yeah. Them. Yep. I think what is happening there is they're just covered in, you know, the eggs were cut. They're covered in, in that um, kind of albumin and so on. And that's just making them look really wrinkly and, and yeah. kind of grungy. They'll they look say, better after they have a shed. Yeah. Yeah. But that's really cool. That's awesome. The fact that we're seeing more of those. Yeah, I'm is. sure that Keith is going to produce some in the next couple of years. I'm pretty convinced about that. Oh, hell yeah. He's got yeah. So that's, yeah. that's exciting that we're actually seeing these species that, that again, were on that list of you can't breed them are now being bred. You know, you look at the work being done with scrub pythons in Ireland. You know, there's some really cool things happening there. And, and the fact that Halmaharas were bred here just, you know, an hour down the road from me. And that's really cool to see that that change. You know, those elusive mystery snakes are actually, you know, that pedestal is now being reduced in size and it's mm-hmm. making it more realistic for us to get them. Yeah. And But the interesting thing is that once you can breed them, something like Halmaharas, how many people are going to want them? I was about to say that. Like, if Halmaharas started breeding like ball pythons, yeah. how yeah. many people, like, I mean, there might be a few people who've always wanted Halmahara or who are totally into scrubs that would keep them, but would everybody else just kind of let it go and then would they become a rarer snake or I think that's when you get to the point of where we're in danger of losing a species. It's not when it's hard to breed. It's when it's really easy to breed that nobody thinks to keep it anymore. And then everybody else just lets it go. So and it would be interesting to study that. I think we're at a point where, you know, the hobby has been going on long enough with the internet that we could actually start tracking that and not just, not just in terms of hearsay, mm. but we could actually go back and look at something like fauna classifieds year by year 
and yeah. see what was produced commonly and at what point did it dip or drop off and when did it reappear and how did that change prices. I think you can actually do a small-scale analysis to see how those trends are, what, what are the trends and are there any real patterns to the species that that's happened to. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting aspect of, our, of the hobby. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the uh, uh, the importation of stuff, it's it's almost like they don't import the animal, but then say somebody breeds it, gets a clutch, they see how much those babies are going for, and then all of a sudden the 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 wild caught stuff starts coming in again. So you know, yeah. it's like you know the story. Um, uh, you guys, whenever you had Cameron on and talked mm -hmm. about guns, I still think that's one of the best shows that I've. That I that I listen to. I think the yeah. whole stories I could sit down and listen to that forever. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah that was a good one. Oh, and, and you can see why they're not brought in commonly. If you need to go to these islands, <laughs> you might not get off for weeks. Yeah. And all you're going to get, like, whenever you look at the wholesale prices of many of these things, they're not they're not anywhere near what people are selling them for. No. Um, so where's the real value to it? You know, the whole amount of work that's involved in it. But it would be interesting to see how the like Indonesia is going to change in the coming years with in terms of export. I think we're going to see a big reduction in that there. Yep. Um, and and that's going to impact things like the the green tree python market, the, the locality pure stuff. Yeah. So I would love to see. Like I've I've never kept green trees, and I I really think about keeping green trees because I like arboreal snakes. But if I was doing it, I would want pure locale animals. Right. And I see many people just doing crosses, and I just don't know if I could. I'm not really. I don't really want biax. You know. I, I'd like some of the other kind of um, uh, more unusual kind of locales, but uh, you just don't see the animals being made available. Ca mm -hmm. Captive bred, I'm not really interested in getting imports. No, you know? uh, green tree imports, I imagine that's that's playing Russian roulette. It's like, you know, will this one make it? Nope. All right, so <laughs> it's... <laughs> yeah, so I think that that's going to be the next kind of real cyclical thing. You know, we see that in green trees. Like, for example, if you... Years ago, whenever Paul Harris was breeding green tree pythons primarily, he had a, a locality called Yappen Island. And the these Yappen Island animals yeah. that he had were, they were like dark green with these big yellow and white kind of splotches on them. Just beautiful. They were just incredible. Yeah. That's I have awesome. not seen any Yappen Island animal in the last 20 years. I've years. never heard of it. Yeah. yeah. Yappen Island. They were yeah. really cool. I wish I, wish I had copies of Paul's original website. It would be you should get Paul on again and talk about his green tree python kind of years. He produced some amazing, amazing things. That's actually yeah. going to happen very soon. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's a great guy. I stayed with Paul Harris about twenty something years ago. Yeah. We drank a lot of beer. A lot of beer. Yeah, that was before he. I remember being horrendously hung over, and he's showing me like the original zebra carpets and stuff, and I'm just like, oh, oh. Jesus. <laughs> oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah, I yeah like that was Paul. cool. Cool stuff. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, really awesome. nice guy. Yeah. If we ever get over there, one day. Awesome. Yeah, you should. Yeah, one day. You know, it's worth it's worth doing a trip. You know, um, I don't know. Is Paul still in the UK or is he in Germany again? I, I think he's. I'm not sure. I think, he's, I think he went to Germany and then he came back. Yeah, right. I think so. Okay. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I'm not 100. Yeah, he's got he's he's got some great animals. You know what a what a cool breeder. You know he's um, yeah. just some remarkable animals, and, and he's again helped uh, change the popularity of animals. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and, yeah. yeah. Carpets were like, oh, he this may... one's got a stripe. Before 
<laughs> like more yeah no he made there me was, poor poor that's for sure yeah <laughs> that's what i'm saying like you know warren was over there before he added the wing the eric burke wing to his house i mean you know you know it's funny because with snakes there's only been one snake that i spent a vast quantity of money on uh-huh. everything else i've pretty much got through trades yeah that's so a better job a nice trading feeling. yeah you know, it's a nice feeling of of knowing that i haven't um, fueled a wing on someone's house. A little ones here and there that I bought, but it's uh, it's always been just trading. And I, you know, my wife's like, "Well, why did you trade for that?" And I'm like, "Why not? You know, it's not real money. <laughs> it's, a, it's snake money. It doesn't right. count." And then in your mind, you then think, "Oh, but I can breed it and I can sell the babies for this much." No, you end up trading those babies for the next thing. Right. Yeah. So, it is so much horrible, better, horrible, horrible hobby. Yeah. yeah, I think I think about these things when I watch Nick Mutton build a car on uh, Facebook, and I'm like, did I pay for that bumper? <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's funny you look at that. You know, it's, it's like the guy doesn't work; he just works on his cars and cleans snakes. Yeah, and then like whenever I call him, he's like, ah, I'm headed to the gym. I'm like, when are you not? <laughs> like, yeah, but whatever. <laughs> so. <sighs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've decided in the future if I sell snakes, I'm just going to buy rare guitars because they gain in value. <laughs> nice. Well, now, now we're talking. <laughs> Eric's, Eric's retirement is his bookshelf, and he's got the freaking uh, complete boa constrictor. I'm going to knock him on the head and take that. Yeah. You know, well, you know the new version is coming out. I wrote a I wrote a section for the new book, the okay. new version coming out. Oh, nice. And it's I know that's got, I think it's gone to the printers. But here's the deal, right? So. The original, like the complete, the complete green tree python or whatever. Uh-huh. I've looked at that online, and that's I thought that was pretty expensive. Whenever I found it, I bought yeah. a copy at um, at the biology of pit vipers meeting a couple of weeks ago for twenty bucks. What? You know, so, yeah, twenty bucks. Really? So, and I bought the Ross and Marzak book for fifteen. Oh shit! You know, hard buy copy. And the funny thing is, I bought it there for fifteen bucks. And I'd already just bought it a week earlier online for like 50 or 60 bucks for the paperback version. So I arrived back in Tulsa to the paperback while carrying the hard copy of my mm. version. <laughs> <laughs> Books, they're not worth money either. You know, they're just a thing that will sit in your shelf. And then eventually one day you'll be like, I need to get rid of all this crap. Yeah. yeah. What's it worth? And nobody will buy it. You know, you'll be no. there you know, at the reptile shoe trying to flog your wares. Yeah, you want to take five bucks for this complete carpet python? Yeah, all right, take it. Yeah. Get out of here. Three yeah. yeah, that one's yeah. signed by the author. It's worth three dollars. Yep. Uh, okay, go on. Yep. <laughs> I haven't become disillusioned at all. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. It, it doesn't show. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <sighs> oh well. Well. All right. So you get to work on the guitar collection and get rid of those bows. So. Yeah, no, yeah. I can get behind that. I, I can get. Of course, I do you accumulate can. Bars. I accumulate basses because I've played bass for thirty years. I'm gonna start a, a, a tambourine collection so that I can feel included with you guys <laughs> in an instrument that I can remember, play. Did, did you not bring up like a? Did you not bring up like a guitar thing once where you mentioned like a Fender Gibson or something like that? I don't remember. <laughs> and Eric, uh, Eric did speak to me for a week. I had to it's stop. Like, you know, That's like I can't listen. <laughs> big foot, dirty whore mouth. I'm like, I'm sorry. It's like, yeah, it's <laughs> poor little guy. Uh, you yeah, know, you I felt so sorry for him. I want to send you like a book. <laughs> you can read and learn about 
he doesn't know. Doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't know things. He just, just a little guy. But you know, here's the funny thing, right? We go to these reptile shows. Eric, do you ever go to guitar shows? <laughs> I have one time, and uh, yeah. Every once in a while, at Oaks, they have a guitar show next to the reptile show, and I always expect to see Eric. Never there. Wow. Yeah. There. Nothing of you see like real value and people handing over credit cards and cash. Oh yeah. I was at, um, a friend of mine is endorsed by Paul Reed Smith Guitars, mm-hmm. and he was playing at the Dallas International Guitar Festival last year, and he invited me down, and Paul got me backstage passes. It was cool. Like Eric Johnson was playing, so I got to sit backstage with Eric Johnson playing. Oh, and sweet. There were like 1954 Fender Strat for oh. a third of my money, like twenty six thousand dollars, and I watched a guy just Jesus. walk over with a credit card and swipe it. Yep. And walk away with the guitar. What? Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. yeah it, I've got pictures on, I think on my, my own Facebook page of that there. That was just mind blowing. Yeah. And it was funny because I sent a picture of a, of a 1956 Fender Precision to my wife and it was like $12,000. I was like, what do you think? She goes, no. No. <laughs> the picture I sent was a 1978 Fender Precision and it was only like 2000 And I thought, I'll get this, this one here. And she's like, no. I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, do you like snakes? Do you like snakes? Do you want to anybody, trade? Anybody, do you like snakes? <laughs> anybody here like snakes? Right. Somebody has to. I got Disgusting. bolus. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. We just need to walk in with one of those like nerdy reptile t-shirts, you know, and <laughs> we'll trade guitars or snakes for guitars. <laughs> yeah. I did do that. I did that a year and a half ago. I traded a Costa Rican T-positive for a brand new five-string USA Fender Jazz Bass. But oh, wow. that makes sense. See, when I talk about trading materials for reptile stuff, I put a rack up online, and somebody's like, will you trade chainsaw for snake rack? No. <laughs> yeah, I do that. <laughs> my favorite uh, one is uh, like bro- broken mini bike for snake rack. No, oh, I got I offered, uh, what, cassowary check? Cassowary <laughs> check. <laughs> yeah. Once. Uh, some, uh, it, it was when I was first starting, I had a clutch of carpets, and somebody was, like, talking to this guy who eventually he had olive pythons and a few other things. And he's like, hey, would you want to do some cassowary chicks for your carpets? And I'm like, I cannot own those things. He goes, I thought, I'm sorry, I thought you had this and this permit. I'm like, no, no, dude, I don't have those. He goes, all right. And I'm like, yeah, offered cassowary chicks. Yeah. I'm just into any any kind of animal. I've had somebody locally try to trade me pot-bellied pigs for (laughs) both (laughs) <laughs> and I asked, did they, come, did they already become prepared, as in pre-cooked? Yeah. And that, yeah. And that individual, <laughs> that individual did not burn my email. <laughs> nice. Uh, I like bacon. It's like, no, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Does a small pig taste the same, or is it more succulent? It's got, it, it might be a little bit different. It all depends on what you feed them. Right. So, what what local is it? Yeah, exactly. Is it a locality-specific pig? God. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the joys of reptile keeping. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <It> never ends. <laughs> never ends. Yeah. Well. Oh well. All right. All right, Warren. I think we're. I think we're getting to the wind down portion where we're just gonna uh, kick you off and jump off here and stuff like that. But uh, Eric, I have a shit ton of editing to do this one here. Of course. I mean, like you know. <laughs> I know. It's all that's that's all he is now. I I I am now reduced to just. Plucky comic relief. He does all the work now. <laughs> all of it. The three-hour three conversation turns into 25 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> just, 
Hi, Warren. All right, that was great. Bye, Warren. It's like a five minutes. <laughs> Boas. 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 Yeah, Boas are cool. <laughs> Buy like some carpet. Boas. I like carpet. That's it. That's it. It's the whole episode. That's right. God. Summed up. He used to get really good at this. It was just like it's just chopping it up and we can make you say whatever we want. Yeah. <laughs> Boas, not cool carpets. That's right, Warren. Well, Owen, yeah. did, Owen did say Sasquatch during this episode, which is excellent. It's excellent. Oh, it's uh, so great. It, uh, it, it, but you know what's here? But what is interesting is Owen did not mention his girlfriend once. I mentioned her before. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And apparently it already got around to her that I need to shut the hell up anyway, so it's all Did right. like Rusty hybrids? Huh? <laughs> she was talking about Jack Pondros, and that was that's not happening. Yeah. No. Wow. He already went off the rails and got retaken. Right? So. It, it was nice while it lasted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does she like Sasquatch? No, I, I, that, those are conversations we haven't had yet, or we have, but I probably rage forgot it. Oh, I have <laughs> like, to find out. <laughs> no, we don't. So whenever have to find anything whenever Owen no longer talks about his girlfriend, and that's whenever we have the conversation. Yeah, that's when we had the conversation. She's dead to me. Yeah. She's like, of course I do. We're going to go out and look. I'm like, well, that was fun while it lasted. Yeah. So. Oh, man. I think it's, it's, it's like rough scale hybrids. I think it's in, it's in your inner self that you really yeah. do love them. No. Sasquatch and Rustel hybrids. Yeah. 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 Must be it. You'll get drunk at one carpet fast and it'll all be, it'll escape to the world. Yes. My biggest fear is getting that drunk in front of you people. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen it. I've seen it. One of my biggest fears. God. See a term for that as well. What was the one last week about launching off a. uh, Oh, you're going to Brandon Wheeler uh, the uh, snake off the Eric's roof. Yeah. <laughs> that one, I spat my coffee. I <laughs> that one. That was and, it's always good when, like, because then Brandon messaged me on Thursday. He said, did I just become a verb? I'm like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're, you're welcome. To Bert something or to Brandon Wheeler. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's awesome. You know, yeah. Fantastic. But if you burn you know, too power, much, you guys you're going to wheeler it off the, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I have oh, my moments. <laughs> There's a reason Eric and now, me around. <laughs> if you feed snakes you don't want to king snakes, it's called boothing it. Boothing it. <laughs> that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Say? Yeah. Feeding really expensive snakes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Snakes. Very other, the ones that oh, are the peeps. That's really, the really difference. Want. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really expensive snakes. They get yeah. boothed. <laughs> so that nobody else gets them. I've maintained my market. That's right. You know? Uh, I, I can't it. believe the, the big problem I think you have now is that you mentioned your, your scaleless nose boa. I mean, if you thought you were getting offers before, I mean, good you know, luck. Yeah. There, and it's a blood boa as well. Oh, no. oh, no. So much stuff that could be made. <laughs> and I thought Mother and father. Uh, yeah, I could sell out as a group. Oh yeah. You know, I'm willing yeah. to I'm willing to make the right deal to pay off my Tacoma. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know how much. <laughs> <Look Nice>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, it would be funny if that's the one that I would sell and it actually would make a scale as bow. Can you imagine? Uh, but then, like, you're walking through a show later and you see scaleless bows, you're like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I did this to you. Damn. <laughs> like, but would it just yeah. took 12 more payments? 
There's your supply of bomb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh man. Good yeah. times. Not good. No, it Very really good. isn't. Um anyways, Warren, <laughs> if you have anything you want to toss out there, anywhere that, that somebody can get in touch with you or follow you or anything like that, chuck it out and uh let the people know. Yeah, I think the best place is in the Facebook page of the Boa Booth Facebook page that you mentioned. Um and also, there's an Instagram page, which is the same Boba thing. I get hit up uh, on my regular Facebook page. I've got like 3,000 people waiting to be friended or to be accepted, <laughs> and I just don't. I very rarely accept people on that. Only if I know you or want to know you, um, uh, generally you accept, because all you're going to see on that generally are pictures of my family. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, until recently, I started posting pictures of snakes on it recently because they're such a big part of my life, but it's generally going to be family shit that you see on that there so if you want to contact me the the boa booth page is is definitely the easiest one and also it's easy enough to find me from the university of tulsa website you can find my email address and just email me so that's the cool. other way to do it cool awesome that's it all right other than that i'll blend into the into the background <laughs> <laughs> there you but go. i'll be at arlington this year i will be at arlington and i'm hoping okay. to get a tinley so well you're gonna have to have a name badge yeah, so. You have to tell us how both of those go because we're going to – I want to get down to Arlington, but Arlington's we're going to miss um, yeah. I've been there a couple of times, and it's been a lot of fun. It's only four hours from, from Tulsa, so it's, um, it's a fun trip, and uh, it's a great show. You know, Bob and Sherry and, and Brian put on a really, really good show there. So yeah. it's – yeah, I like it. There's enough variation. It's not a ball python show. There's enough variation to see lots of different things, and, and a lot of cool people go to it. You get to hang out and drink beer, and I'm all up for that kind of stuff. Yeah, annoy Bill Stiegel for us, just for reasons. I've never met him, but I will. Uh, I'll have to introduce myself and say hi. There you go. And he'll say, "Who are you? Who are you? You're who?" <laughs> like, I'll fade away into the distance again. I'll walk away slowly into the crowd. He's like the main Homer Simpson, and that uh, yeah, meme that always pops up where he just disappears <laughs> into the bush. <laughs> That's another way. That's another way to booth it. You know what I mean? That's an, yeah, <laughs> slowly fade into the background. Yeah. Do yourself and then fade yeah. into this. Yep. That's that's perfect. Cool. Well, try that. Either way, you're both screwing things up, right? Always. <laughs> Constantly. I'm not sure I like that that association. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, you did a no real one's, right there, didn't you? Yeah, Great. no one's. You, you're, you're not supposed to like the verbs that I give you. You just have to live with them now. Yeah. So, you the know, problem is, if I, start using, if I start using that about myself, that's be a real problem. <laughs> you know, you that more and you're like, really? In the lab, and I'm like, oh, you really boosted that one. Oh no! Oh, oh no. no! No, it's got me. Oh, no. <laughs> He'll be going. Damn it, oh, Eric and Owen. Carpet boys. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. Uh, uh, so there we go okay cool well warren thanks for coming on again and all that fun stuff and hanging out with us it's been a blast yep it's a pleasure i always uh i always enjoy it so absolutely me on absolutely yeah we'll swing you back around for some other genetics questions and slow it talk (laughs) yeah whenever whenever the world of python systematics falls down and and i'm there waving a flag you know you can you can bring me on and people will really then then i really boost it (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I can't wait. <laughs>
<laughs> well, you guys have a great night. I know it's, what is it, like midnight where you are? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Good thing. for me. It's late to listen to me drivel on about snakes. So. <laughs> what, awesome. That's what every Tuesday. Oh, God, it's Monday. Yeah, it's only Monday, bro. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, uh, damn thing. Uh, all right. Well, all right, thanks, Owen. Thanks, Juan. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care. Right, yeah, bye. Bye. Whoa. <sighs> the microphone just dropped. All right. You get, we're so close to the end. Will you pull it together? Yeah, right. All right. <laughs> You um, have to tell, tell everyone how you went to work. Oh, <laughs> uh, should I tell that story? Yeah, why not? <laughs> tell yeah, them, so my, tell them how messed so, up we are. So my week is so screwed up. Um, I wake up on it was Sunday, but I thought mm-hmm. it was Monday, and I was like, I'm, and and I'm getting ready, making my coffee and whatnot, and I'm like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta get the. Uh, the outline together for the show tonight. Oh my God. You know, man, that came quick. I, I, mm-hmm. I walk outside. I, I put my trash on the curb and I'm looking around and I'm like, huh, not a lot of people got trash this week, I guess. I don't know, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I, I just go to work and I get to work and I'm doing my usual Monday morning routine and you know, everything's going along and I'm looking at people and they're looking at me weird. And I'm looking at that, like, what are they doing here? Why are they here mm. today? I'm like, wow, this is really off. And it wasn't until I go to get the, uh, the numbers, like the figures of sales we did from the day before I look at it and I'm like, wait, it's Sunday. What the hell, man? Let's <laughs> <laughs> say, where was Dory throughout all this? She just watched you leave. And it's just like, she oh. left before me, which oh, is, that's okay. what kind of threw me off too. You know, I was just like, Hmm, you know, but <laughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to take us a bit to get adjusted to the fact that we record now on Mondays to release on Tuesdays. So, yes. Uh, but everyone should still get NPR nine o'clock on Tuesday. Yes, yes. Cool. It should be up and ready to go. So uh, next week, I'm not really sure what's lined up at this point, Sweet. but uh, <laughs> we'll figure something out. I know we got to do something with the calendar contest soon. So that's, oh, yeah, that's we on still the have docket. to pick the winners. Yeah, we have to do that. <laughs> yep. So uh, we were doing so well, and then we just kind of stopped. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? We had so, so much momentum. And then here we are close to Tinley again, and we ah, somehow shit. jacked it up. <laughs> so we'll get cracking on that and get everybody. Uh, get get that going um so stay tuned to hear what the episode i don't i'm not sure how i'm going to share who's coming on the episode now i might just like not put a link up and just put who's going to be on it blah 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 um like we said during the show paul harris is kind of lined up with nick button at some point that's going to happen again so that should be pretty cool um Especially now that I, I never knew he was a green tree python guy, so that's uh, that's now, pretty cool. Yeah, like we got to figure out what the hell happened to that locality. There are people out there right now who heard that and are like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> like he said, what? <laughs> what? What is that?" And it's like, yeah, okay, great, <laughs> that just happened. So, yeah. um, but it's also cool. It's like we're, we're probably gonna have uh, we have to record something for when we're in Australia, and then we're gonna have to have the post Australia show. I mean, yep. Plus. Dude, we're heading into October. Yep. Breeding. October means October means anniversary show. Yep. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we got a lot, right. we got a lot of stuff on the uh, agenda. Yeah. So uh so yeah, so uh what I'm going to try to do uh since I have some time to do this now, I'm going to try to put uh um 
this was the idea with our blog and type of stuff and i still have a blog that keith did that i gotta put up but um just like show notes um Mm -hmm. check it out on the website right now the new website is is at moreliapythonradio.net um eventually i'm gonna merge the two and uh it'll be dot com so um, if you want to check out the show notes, see the pictures that we were talking about or whatever, two options. One, you can go to Warren's page, the Bo booth, um, and you'll be able to flip through some of the cool stuff that he has. But also I'll kind of like make try to make it easy and congest it all into one, uh, you know, one blog type thing. So so stay tuned for that. Uh, and then, uh, so if you want to get in touch with us, info at moreliapythonradio.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, all those different, uh, you know, places. Um, and uh, for myself, ebmorelia.com. And if you want to get in touch with me, eric at ebmorelia.com. Cool. Uh, for me, you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. I just finished updating a bunch of stuff over there. New pictures, new galleries, new things like that. So you can go check that out. Uh, also, my Instagram is rogue underscore reptiles on Instagram, and you can look up rogue reptiles on Facebook. Give the page a like. I got a couple babies available, um, but that's pretty much it until these bread light get going. So uh, if you wanted to any of those things, just drop me a line. And, uh, yeah, that's all we have for everybody tonight. So we'll say thank you all for listening, and we'll catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python radio. Good night.